Squirt that you won't want to get off Your horny Let's do it Ride it Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. I've seen it on the Netflix. Oh, Coming to you live from the We are hurting Cassidy. Yeah, it's got Jeremy Renner in it. In sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey, everyone. What was it actually happening? What? Huh? Hold on a second. Wait, what are we doing? Let me put my penis back in my pants. Okay. What? It's the first time for everything. Yeah. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you live from the Recycle Garage in uh, sunny Santa Cruz, California. Dude, it's that which late fall. does not fail. Bomb. It's been nice. Really so, did you guys get the um, emergency weather alert on yeah. your phone? Fire! Yeah, I sure did. Fire yeah. warning. Uh, I got for high wind. I'm like, yeah. there, there was oh, not any I've got, wind. I've got high wind. There's going to be a high... Uh, <laughs> That's what it was. It was John yeah. and the high wind. I was blaming it. I don't know if it was Emma or John. Somebody was, was tooting oh, me boy. today. That was, that was me. It's usually... I was, was strafing <laughs> it. Uh, crop dusting her. I was crop dusting her all day. It was oh, awesome. Man, I, you little, I was just giggling. Man. I would walk by her and giggle and crop dust. <laughs> this is why gag. I still I'm wear gagging. a mask. She deserves better. <laughs> right Maybe you. not. No, she doesn't. Deserve it. Uh, that's you know, exactly what she deserves. Uh, when when it starts out as a shit show, that's usually a sign that we had a fun, good day, and everyone is in high spirits. So let me see if I can bring them down. That's an interesting theory. Joining me here in the studio tonight. Don't say something racist, please. Oh, <laughs> with his beautiful Asian smile. Mm. It's not. God, oh, how did uh, say? How I knew it. I knew, how did I know that? Smile, Liza. Huh? What? Liza. How is an Asian smile it's, different? It's sideways. He squints oh, when he smiles. It's more sideways. He can't oh, help it. Have you oh, seen the wrinkles in my eyes? Oh, Look at the wrinkles God. in my eyes. I'm just saying he has a beautiful smile. What's There's up, nothing What's right. up I, dickheads? I will. He's he racist, racist, so dickhead. beautiful. He also, he smizes. To me. <laughs> can't you see? He, he. Wow. Hey, everyone. Oh, this right, is calm down now. Liza. <laughs> Also uh, joining me in the studio, we got Stumpy John running the board. Some people call me Space Cowboy. Some call me the Stumpy of Love. <laughs> and some oh. people call you Maurice. When I speak of the pompous. I would, yeah. go with Maurice, I would go with Maurice more than Stumpy of Love. <laughs> hey That's his porn name. Seemed like different into the spectrum there. So you know how we're um, trying to organize some more... Um, uh, Pakistan trips for next year. Yes. You know, and Bagel did Scootistan and I do Chickistan. Somebody actually suggested that he has a Stumpistan. Mm, yeah. What do you guys think about mm, that? Stumpistan. Yeah. Right. Not sure what that means, but I, okay. I'm not sure either. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I need more information. Call no. we'll it Jonastan or something. No, I, I mean, Stumpistan to me would be like a game show. Where all <laughs> the contestants are called Stan, and you have to <laughs> give them difficult questions. It's like a country where the average height is well, actually, lower than five three. That's funny you say that because that we do have funny. something very similar to that coming up later. But of course, stump the chump. <laughs> Everyone's Hump favorite misfit. It's Miss Emma. Ho 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 ho! You're a rock and roll suicide. Hello, guys. Hello, darlings. Hello. Hello. What a lovely day in Santa Cruz today. It's just a cornucopia of fabulousness. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, I would. No, I stand by that. I'm okay with that. Yes. 
Oh, okay. Do they? The garage was certainly. Do busy they deliver today. that in a basket with fruit? Hmm. Pulled we, we by a rainbow unicorn <laughs> mm. and a side of pulled pork. <laughs> Oh, oh, that yeah. makes everything better. No, we're oh, not going to yeah. get everything into better. your Saturday night habits. No. <laughs> no. no. All right. Also, pulled, pulled, on the pulled, you. classy girl couch, joining That's us. tenderloin. Wow. Joining us again. Wow. It's Arlette. Hello. I still think that classy is a lot to live up to. <laughs> yeah, <I'll try>. true. <laughs> and then, of course, again, I always say the smartest man in the room who has perched himself Furthest away from the crop duster. Yes. <laughs> it's Naked Jim. Hey, what's happening? Happy um, Canadian Thanksgiving. Today is Canadian Thanksgiving. I was celebrating with some cooks earlier. Mm. Good fun. Ooh. Yeah. And it's all right, Ma. I'm not bleeding. That's an ode to Bob Dylan, if no one knows. Uh, it's my yeah, new favorite Bob Dylan song. It's an amazing Bob Dylan song. What's and I thought it was very song? apropos. And it's all right. I'm, it's all right, Ma. I'm not bleeding. Mm. And to our Canadian listeners, um, everyone, we love you. Oh, they're, they're so great. Yeah. yeah this exactly. guy was talking to a guy, actually. Turns out he has a shadow up there in like Manitoba, Skawan, Skatcha. Does that uh, mean there's six <laughs> more weeks Manitoba, That's like seven provinces exactly. in a way. So awesome. I think he, um, he comes down two weeks a year to see the friend who's having the party today. And we got to chatting about motorbikes. Imagine that. And we talked about friends that we have that store mm-hmm. their bikes in the desert for the wintertime, Canadians. Mm-hmm. And he says, I think I'm going to do that next year. He's going to bring his Honda Shadow down and store it at a, her, his friend's house here in Santa Cruz. Perfect. Kind of like how that, I have a KLR in storage in South Dakota. Is that called snowboarding? He is snowboarding. And then we had a conversation, what kind of dual sport should he get, a BMW or a Honda? And everybody's favorite yes. ginger, it's Bagel. Cheers, Morgan, where I'm keeping dry. You thought I forgot about you, Bagel, but I didn't. Has the rain started, no, Bagel? You. Has the rain oh, begun? Yes. Oh. yes, we've gotten plenty of rain lately, and I think there's uh, still more to come. Well, nice. Well, I hate to say it, but we Sounds really lovely. need rain here. My yeah, gosh. Send it down yes. here. It's going to be, really be damp there soon. I'll try to blow it down that way. Yes. <sighs> I know you're going to have months of it, but it sounds so lovely right now. It does. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, it's nice. You know, with this lack of rain, it's almost turning all of California into a desert. Yep. A tinderbox. Yep. A dessert. <laughs> and, and, you know, because of that, I, I asked Emma, I said, can you do a history hole yes. on desert bikes? And I think she misunderstood me. I did because mm. I came up with a fabulous recipe of making a marzipan bull taco. Oh, I was thinking uh, <laughs> bananas wow. foster, but okay. Yes. That, that sounds like a really sweet bike. Oh, <laughs> well ha. done. Well yeah. done, sir. Ha. <laughs> anyway, we got to the bottom of it, and a little later on in the really big shoe, I will be doing a history hole on dessert racing. Desert racing. Ah, there you did it again. <laughs> Can I do dessert racing? Yes. Oh, man. Well, knowing your love of food, all dessert but, races but, end up at Gizditch Ranch. Oh, I'm oh yeah. Give me that tour well, of the zoo, baby. Is that like cafe racing except just going from, uh, from one, uh, one pastry shop to another? <laughs> there you yeah, go. It's patisserie racing. The trick to dessert <laughs> racing is start with a flan because it lubes everything up. Oh, my God. Uh, 
<laughs> I, like I am me. down with starting with flan. flan. I'm, I'm okay with the flan. Flan's the shit. I flan is the like shit. Choco bull taco. Mm. Ooh, oh, choco bull taco. Choco taco. Mm. Dude, that's so smart. Well, yes, you're up eating choco tacos like the ice cream off the ice cream truck. They're my favorite. I want a choco taco. So, and I want to mention we had some we had some visitors today. Many visitors. Great people. First to show up, Craig from Minnesota. Yeah, he was cool dude. Rad. Yeah. And it's so fun when people show up and they're just like looking around like, whoa, this is the place. And we're just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, I think they think it's going to be something kind of big and really cool. Yeah. I liked how they just come down to the like, just, oh, this is what it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just well, completely just unimpressed. Like, like, yeah, man. You know, but then uh, it's the, it's like pull up a chair. Yep. Yeah, and he stayed for hours, just kind of like he, j- he was just chilling, chilling. Mm-hmm. We no, he helped me out. out yeah. He was helping, and you were. We we put people to work. Just oh, so I you was know. I yeah. was struggling desperately with a getting a dirt bike tire back on, and because um, I've done it before, but I can just never remember the exact sequence of of, of events yeah. to put a tire a lot. back on. If you do the exact series of things that are so simple, it works pretty easily. I just can't remember them. So I was struggling with it for a while, and uh, and he was patiently watching me, which he appreciated. And after a while, he's like, "Hey, you should do this," and I'm like, "That's a really good idea." You know, I called you the and smartest, he the smartest man in the room. And there's another reason why um, you were changing a tire today. And even though we have all these like tire changing stations, you didn't want to do it because it's a dirt bike tire, and you need to know how to do it in the field. But what I loved is you were watching the video YouTube videos. Yes. And sure enough, something that we all just sit here and just kind of muscle with tire arms. And you watched a video and learned a trick that Did made I? it easier getting that tire off. Had a little air to the Oh, tire. I don't know if it was a trick. That, it's well, but it like it it's it wasn't at first like the, like the most logical solution mm-hmm. to getting the tire. Yeah, but it it worked. You want to share what that is? Yeah, I don't know if it's a trick or not. It might just be the way you do it. But it um, I've learned not to figure out why things work the certain way they do, like how this tool leverages and does this thing. Just watch the video and do what the guy says. And the guy's like, the spoon bends down, goes there. And uh, anyway, I popped the edges off both sides. So the bead off, off the offside of yes. outside of both sides. And then you just push it right off. Mm-hmm. But it seems like in my mind, because you know, I'm not good at this stuff, counterintuitive because it seems like you'd want to push them both off the same side. And that's totally not what you do. You pop yeah. one off the outside of each side, and then you just burp. Yeah, you right splay off. the tire open, and you push the yeah. wheel. And then you push the wheel the down into the yeah oh. the tire, which yeah. now frees up the top half yeah. that you just pivot out. Yeah, and I was like, dude, why? I always try and take the tire off in the same direction. Well, yeah. you know, that's for street tires. Mm-hmm. One of the things I keep in mind that Emma preaches is if you're working like really hard at something, you're not doing something right. Right, and it's super true with tires. And um, and I know you hate doing tires. And I knew you really wouldn't help me, which you didn't really help me, but you helped me at the critical times, which is great. And you <laughs> safety check at the entire, end. And, you know, a safety check at the end. But it's so true of everything you do on a bike. If you are struggling and you're sweating and that little vein on the side of your forehead is popping out, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. There isn't yeah. a single job on a motorcycle, including pulling an engine, that is that strenuous if it's become that strenuous something's gone wrong so stop think it through yeah so we had had strenuous moments but then i'm like okay something's not working and what was so cool about craig is after waiting a while he's like he jumped in and helped me he's like i normally do this and i do this and all of a sudden it started coming together much easier so i i have a misfit top tip (gasps) already and it applies to you my only comment 
you struggled with that tire a little bit because the bead was very dry. Yes, I kept squirting it with our soapy water, but right. it just tim- it dries um, out so quickly. If you're out in the field, okay, what are you going to do? Oh, no. Um, no, I will. No, no. So I thought it. So I, I realize I'm it. shorthanded because I always have yes, water, but you need it. some sort of a lubricant. So I you don't know do. what a good small portable thing would be. Wait, oh, Seriously, oh, 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 if you're out in the field, we on it. Oh. And the you're reason in- you we on it, don't use your water. Yes, okay. Use the water that's already been through you. That's when, super smart. When yeah, the yeah, wee's coming out of you, it's yeah. it's a waste product. It's already done. And bear in mind, there's there's your stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. So it, there's just enough to give it a tiny bit of lubrication. Yeah. Don't ask me how I know this. Yeah, well, syphilis, I know, heck of a thing. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, that's called the <laughs> Chuck Berry tire but, change. you know... <clears throat> Don't use your water. That makes sense. Especially if you're out there in the desert because you might need that later. Yes. You... When, when you're at the stage where the water's gone and you're drinking your own wee, yeah, you're done. And you're really you're done. And keeping with the desert theme, Jim, tell everyone why you had a flat tire. Why'd you have a flat tire, Jim? Oh, yeah. So I'm rowing. I'm, you know, I got the 450 and I'm running the, the Moto Z uh desert ht so they're made for desert hard rock and sand with um heavy duty tubes and i'm like great you know pretty bomb proof setup i'll be good to go and fortunately it didn't happen until the end of the trip but uh a a cactus a cactus spike uh, spine whatever a you thorn, call it, a thorn yeah. Yeah. just boom right wow. in between the knobbies and punctured it like you know easy as easy as nothing and yeah. um but luckily, those tires, the saving grace was have a really stiff sidewall. So I was able to ride about two miles through the desert uh, to get back to the truck. So you were was, able to patch that inner tube up? Um, I did. I put it, I have a regular tube that I put into it. Because oddly enough, the three times I've had flats in the last few years, twice have been with heavy-duty tubes. Mm. This one, the other one, the Yeah, about, but you don't know how many times you avoided it because you have. Good one. point. I, I totally don't disagree with that. Um, but anyway, so I just put a regular tube back in it. Um, but the other twist was using a rim lock. I, it was the first time I put a tube and stuff in with a rim lock. Yeah. So there was some, Emma helped me with some little tricks with that. So that was kind of Yeah, handy. people get all sort of steamed up over rim locks. Yeah. But as long as you know what it's you're doing trick. with them, yeah. they're, they're, they're not tough. And they're so beneficial because guess what? When you punctured that tire without that rim lock, you would have been in a world of hurt. It would have all spun and, and been all fucked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I got a thing done today. Well, half done. Mm. Um, I want to give a shout out to Charlie who helped me. Oh yeah, I have a um, pesky oil leak on my KTM 990. It's just a tiny leak. It's it's hardly a Triumph acceptable level of leak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I with that bike, I really do try and stay on top of it. Mm. And um, I thought it was from the slave cylinder that had stripped a screw, and I had to drill it out and tap it out, and I had punched through the engine case. When I did it, which happens, um, but I had, but I put thread seal on the bolt before I put it in, but it kept leaking and like three times them. I think right. I pulled it apart, thinking I'm just not sealing it right. Well, this time I finally said, "Hold on, there's no way oil is coming out of these threads with all this goop on it." So I dug a little bit deeper, and Emma was the first one who said, "Hang on." It's it's the the clutch the push rod yes. on one side of the bike. She goes, 
you may have a seal on the other side that's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. Right. Um, and then Charlie got out the um, the diagram for the bike. And we found that the seal was on the side I was working on, but you do have to take the clutch apart right. to push the, the rod through to get the seal popped out, which, sure enough, found that little seal behind there, and um, it was worn out. It's a little 350 part. Oh, you mean you read the instructions? No, I did not. No, somebody read the instructions. I pestered Emma and Charlie. Actually, did some research. That's what I'm saying. It was a team effort. (laughs) Okay. And so I'm giving credit where credit is due. You you could have Uh, saved yourself a lot of trouble if you did that initially, but you know that's not. Well, I but that's I didn't know that the oil was coming from from inside the house. She likes to learn the hard (laughs) way. You know, (laughs) I kept I kept trying to you know. Yeah, fix it. But what, it's I'm just glad so, it's resolved. What was that yeah. film? What was that film where the girl was being terrorized by a guy on the yeah. phone, mm-hmm. and That's the detective said, said the "He's call. in. He's in the, the house." Coming yeah, from Jamie the house. Lee Curtis, stranger, stranger in the house. Yes, <laughs> I don't think the call is coming. It's coming from the no, house. I think it is. It's called uh, internal house calls or something, mm-hmm. isn't it? Somebody Google. It. I think it's stranger uh, in the house. Really. Yeah, the Googler will know. Jamie Lee Curtis. Anything um, with her is good. <laughs> she hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was very young, and she was probably she about was a sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Wait, no. Anywho, what? really. Anywho, no. so, yeah. So it was coming from inside the house. So thank you to Charlie and Emma for helping me kind of think outside the immediate problem that I kept addressing <laughs> and looking for something deeper within. Right. Liza, you're welcome. I would do thank anything you. for you, but I won't do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mr. Meatloaf over there. And what else did we get done today? Oh, you helped Christina. I did. With a scooter. So, yes, Christina showed up on a gorgeous little ET4 150. That oh, bike nice. is cool. In. It's very hot. Are, are you prepared, Bagel? Yes. Uh-oh. Factory black. Mm. Ooh, very nice. Oh, and it. my opinion, I love ET4s. I mm-hmm. think the ET2 and the ET4 are the most charmingly styled bikes. And as hard as it is to believe, the, the story with these bikes, in the late 80s, Vespa had a big push to get more women to ride the bikes and the scooters. And they felt that perhaps their styling was a little masculine. And so they decided to bring out the ET series to modernize the style but a little more feminine because curves, hmm. right? Right, Bagel? Right. Um, and wait, you needed to make a scooter more feminine? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. And they are just, they are charmingly styled bikes. I love yeah, them. They are. I don't know. It's just, it's, I just think of all Vespas as charmingly stylish. That's it. Well, anyway, I guess I guess we're gendering scooters now. Is that what's happening? They're just fucking scooters, dog. You got two wheels. They go. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Here. How do they? Fucking, I don't know. How do they go? Knock. They go. Bzz, bzz. Is this accurate, Bagel? <laughs> Is this an accurate sound effect? Um, anyway, um, so even though the scooter only had a thousand miles on it, and it looked like it had a thousand miles. Um, the speedo and um, mile gauge were not up. 
Mm. So we started at the top and worked our way down. I said, well, look, the first thing to do is make sure that the cable hasn't fallen off the bottom of it. Oh, it's not a digital, huh? No, it's cable. cable Okay. And it was attached. And when we spun the wheel, the cable wasn't turning. Mm. The cable was intact. Basically, it all distilled down. There's a little nylon gear in the 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 front axle. Well, the, the, the part on the hub... Yeah, was intact the metal part, but the plastic twelve toother that goes yeah, in the axle. Gear. Yeah, is that, that, is that the lady with the red hair earlier today? Knackered, as we yeah. say in England. Okay. So yeah. what I made her do, I made her pull out the speedo cable and lubricate it so it spanned very nicely, mm. and then I gave her a dental pick, and I made her pick out all the disgusting grease and bits of plastic from the hub part of the gear. Hmm. put fresh lube on it and then assemble everything so that when the plastic gear arrived you can just kind of push it in everything's already lubed it'll just work oh is that why she was squatting down and peeing on it because you told her to lube it up (laughs) yes wow (laughs) had a pre-lube california's run out of water it's gonna be one of those shows huh pre-lubed gear (laughs) should always save your water (laughs) save your water just pee on it (laughs) yes exactly um i don't know if you guys noticed but there's some new additions in this room i did um, and mm. they are new motorcycles by mm-hmm. a company from China called Welly. In the box. Welly. Actually, yeah. In, in the box, at, Emma. Yeah. Um, I added uh, another, like, I don't know, what's that? Like, I see some scooters. Maybe like oh, 20, shit, 20, they're 25. Oh, shit, still in the box. Another 25. Uh, yeah. yeah. You don't get an XR650R in there, do you? So, this is blasphemy. Um, no. Damn, you dude, got them from KB Toys. Mm-hmm. Those, uh, those people still the, exist? No, no, oh this is like in the 90s. Right? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, two, I, wow. I pulled these out of storage. Two, oh, nice. for, two wow. for $5. Yeah, I paid two fifty each for these. When did you get this? What year was this? 90-something? Oh, nice. <clears throat> Sometime in the 90s. Wow. Well, it has to be 97 yeah. because mm. there's an R1200C in uh, James Bond colors. I remember the late 20th yeah. century. There's a bunch of, look, at, there's a cool <laughs> Ducati up there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm checking them out. There's a bunch of cool ones up there. It might might have been 2002, but, judging by the label. I mm-hmm. used to work at a KB Toys in the uh-huh. late 90s. There we go. Uh-huh. Would that be late 20th century? That would be late 20th century. Um, <laughs> <month's a year. laughs> I've got to be honest with you. I think probably working at a toy store, <clears throat> is. did you become hateful towards children? No, but I did become somewhat hateful toward parents. <laughs> 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 yeah. well, Understandable. And that's not the only new addition to the room. Knock, oh. did you notice what's behind you? You told me about it. It's uh, kind of morbid, but it's Don't sneeze. Time. Yeah. It's a box of ashes. <laughs> Liza's fucking dad is in here oh, with man. us in the box. Right oh, next, yeah. your dad's in here. Right next yeah. to Bosley. The white box. Yep. You got all that stuff next to you. You're like a little uh, well, an altar knock. You're like you an know, altar over there. That's quite you light a, some candles. That's quite a big box. I don't seem to remember your father being that much of a big guy. He was guy. tall. He was six too. Yeah, he was tall. Yeah, but he was lean. Yeah. And that's a big box. Yeah, well, it's... You know, it's about... Well, it's, look at Bosley. Yeah, it's uh, about the size of a cornflake box in from different directions. crematory. Okay. It's a big white box, and it's formerly Craig Lipscomb Miller. Yeah. Well, we did have... Rest in peace, <laughs> Craig. Now, um, so, yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Craig. Rest rest in peace. You, I mean, he's not destined to spend eternity in a white cardboard box, is he? I mean, are you going to do something I mean, this a little is Santa better? Cruz, you know, I mean. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But <laughs> well, for now, he lives here in the studio next to Bosley. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good a, spot. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a little troubled that Bosley has a nice Burlwood veneer box with a stainless steel <laughs> plaque, <laughs> and Craig is in just a white cardboard box with typeset saying who it is. Yeah, I, I think we need to improve this. Like, we should put him in uh, one of these train tankers. Oh, oh yeah, that's ooh, a yes. good idea. I think it's like a come as you are party kind of thing. You just I show feel up come as you are. Here's, here's the deal. I can't say what I'm going to do with him because I do not have permits. Because it's illegal. Mm. And it's illegal. So there you go. Mm. Um, well, I will say real quick, you know, and, and kind of uh, this uh, theme of like desert riding, right? Um, dessert riding. I've been, yeah, dessert riding. Dessert riding. I've been thinking about it um, when you go, Jim, when you go to these trips to the Mojave, you always say, yeah, you don't want to come. Yeah, because I know you don't. You're, I mean, I think you started riding dirt, honestly, because you wanted to do more variety of dirt riding, correct me if I'm wrong, and you also thought it'd be a good way to increase your skills, and it yeah. was interesting. But then you realize, like, you know, physically it's not, the crashing is not. I actually don't like riding and every, <laughs> Yeah, and you don't really seem to enjoy it. But I um, really hate mud and sand because there's a much higher risk of, of falling. falling. And the thing for me, and I've just really, really been figuring out, for me the biggest risk, because I have such bad knees, when I fall, if I hit my knee, it's it's yeah. extremely painful. But mm-hmm. something I know you really enjoy and you love, and I think one of the, the moth to a flame that happens with you is like campfire riding, like campground. Let's cruise around the campground and like go up and like, if, uh, like Pakistan mini. If you could yeah. summon you know? a shrimp tower in the middle of the desert, she's on it. Oh, oh yeah. Sure you there. But I realize that. I don't that know if you want desert shrimp. <laughs> all of my, all of my bikes, I mean, my, my dirt capable bikes, Africa twin, the KLR and the 690 Enduro. And even the, um, the CRF 250 when I had it, I like tall bikes because they're easier on my knees. And I've always been buying bikes for the seat to foot peg ratio. Mm, yeah, yeah. But after riding these little bikes in Pakistan, and I realized, I mean, Arvind, you were there. I, I had no fear, no concern. I just zipped right around everything. I, I had no trepidation at all because I knew I could just like stick my legs out and mm. waddle through. It's like riding a roller skate. Yeah. (laughs) And it made me think maybe I just need to get a shorter bike for doing these kind of just fun, challenging. I don't attack anything. I just try to survive it. Yes. Well, and you ride something to to note is that you ride sitting down because your knees don't allow you to stand up on the foot pegs because that's a little stand up. So you can't. So you have to figure that into the equation as you're going to be sitting on the seat most of the time. So yeah. suspension-wise, et cetera. So I've started just thinking about what would be a good bike to get. And I'm, I'm right now, I'm kind of leaning towards the TW200 or Van Van. Emma, what do you think of those two bikes? Um, Craig's opinion aside. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, not my dad, Craig. Craig, our visitor, Craig. Craig, our visitor, who I don't think was impressed with either choice so um let's talk about what they are so um the van van 200 mm-hmm. and the t-dub which is a yamaha mm-hmm. are small capacity single cylinder four stroke giant wheel yeah they're both big wheel the, 200s. It should be the official motorcycle of AMA Vintage Days. Oh, totally. Oh That'd be great there, yeah. So the T-Dub's been around forever, mm-hmm. and people do love them, and they command quite high prices. 
I think as a terms of design, the T-Dub is a far more congruous design. But there's something so retro about the Van Van. Well, and they're going and it, for about the same price. A yes. Van Van that's like five years old is going the same price as a T-Dub that's 15 years old. I must admit, I think out of the two, I would buy the Van Van and put aside a couple of hundred bucks to do a nice metal flake pink or green <laughs> paint job. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the difference uh, between the, the Van Van motor and a DR2 or there 3 is whatever? None. There is not same. It's just same less engine. horsepower. Just whatever horsepower. No, it's same horsepower. Same engine. Are they? Yeah. Same engine. Oh, it's just the fat tire. And thing. it's right. just the you know uh, a T Dub has got virtually the same engine as an XT. Yep. Well, XT is two fifty. T Dubs you two twenty five. But the horsepower is like nine versus sixteen or something. Yeah. There is a horsepower difference between the T Dub. You and said the it was XT. nine on the TTR one two five. Oh, maybe that was yeah, it. yeah, maybe that. And no, sixteen. Okay, no, the, the you're right, Liza. The T Dub and the XT two twenty five, same horsepower. Same horsepower. It's the Six, same sixteen horsepower. Sixteen. Okay, 15, 16. 16 horsepower, and you might have a horsepower here and there because of marketing differences Got, and yeah. emissions. Um, and the same as the um, the Van Van and the DR two hundred, same like horsepower. Okay. But, cool. but like um, just Stumpy John here, he got a little a smaller dirt bike. The XT, yeah. The XT two fifty or two twenty five, which I would like also. But they actually go for a lot of money. Yeah. And you had to spend a lot of money to get the did, yeah. suspension set up. It's like the perfect in town bike. Well, that's the other thing to consider is you are going to probably be doing suspension upgrades. Absolutely. So, so figure mm-hmm. that cost in if you know if if any of those are even available with adjustable suspension. It's a thousand bucks, really. Yeah, you're going to drop. Yeah, if if it's not adjustable already, yep. but you know, in the rear, you're probably putting in a new spring. Not a big deal. And, and um, I think front. Uh, Charlie said I should get the TTR one two five big wheel. Mm. That's just not enough. Get it's up not enough. Go. No. Yeah. Plus a seat. God, enough. that is a rare machine, though. Um, so I'm just thinking that might be the next kind of Get fun, a van stupid van. bike. Just a, but Arlette, just, it's because of those stupid CB150Fs. They, mm-hmm, I just felt yeah. like there was nothing well, I was afraid to a, a, attempt I on. saw a Nighthawk 250 in the back of Miss Emma's <laughs> uh, rig today. Maybe just throw I some know, knobs right? well, We've been yeah, talking about that. The big blocks. Yeah, there's some big blocks on that Nighthawk. It's basically your Atlas Honda. Well, okay, Jim. I'm not just, really, but. We're not going to get into this. I'm just going to tease it out. Emma made a comment about that bike today, which has sparked something. Which which one? Emma. So I was being quite flippant. Um, I was scanning Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> you flippant never. Which is, <laughs> stop it, you. Because I will come over there and I will slap you across your the, chops. Oh, the it. British do one, it. too. Uh, so I <laughs> the was, old bangers and mash. <laughs> I was scanning the Book of Faces Marketplace, which is what eBay used to be and Craigslist used to be. It's the Wild West. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I saw, dog shit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I saw a Nighthawk 250 needing quite a lot of mechanical help for a bargain bucket price. And I thought, you know what? I can't go wrong at that because, number one, I can fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, you know, there's always a steady market for these. Oh, yeah. So um, I threw down a few hundred bucks and ended up with this thing. And, I mean, it's ugly. Uh, Does the engine move and turn over and everything? No, it runs. It runs. It runs. It's got got brand new tires. It's got brand new chain and sprockets. Mm -hmm. It's registered through July 2022. 
I mean, Ooh. you can ride it. It's. I think it's just got the normal amount of dents, like your bike had. Okay, exactly. Up, okay. Yeah, it it's needs a, learner, a little yeah. bit of... And the suspension is squeaky. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is fun. But yeah. it, it just needs a little bit of help. Okay. Um. But I made a rather rash comment. And I, yeah, like she say, did. I was, I was being kind of facetious. I said, this is the best bike in the world. I went, what? No. But uh-uh. now, uh-uh. hold on. Uh-uh. Made in Japan. But hold on. We were kind of thinking about some plans for this bike and what we could actually do to it. So I think I, I hear a good, a good bad idea on the if, way. If I may. Yes. I, I challenged her as to if this is the best bike in the world. Okay. And we could really get into it. And, and I, that's why I said, I think I want to save that for another podcast. What Let's is save it for another best podcast. bike in the world. But what we did conclude and what you missed, Jim, but you don't realize you're included in. Uh, in fact, all of us misfits are included somehow. I, I said, what if we make this the best bike in the world? So mm, basically, like each misfit mm-hmm. will yes. be assigned a task right. yes. to complete on this bike with no modification. With slight modification. Maybe tired. Like can we, wait yeah, a minute. We, I thought what about, we, we fucking sorted it out by putting a goddamn milk crate on the back of that thing. It's done. <laughs> that shit is <laughs> done. No? So... We'll put a milk crate on the back, and the only thing you are allowed to change is tires. Mm. No, no. And um, for for Henry, I said a a like a bolt-on windshield, but simple. What about like simple. a little more travel like, suspension? Well, no. simple. No, simple mods. The simplest mods and simple mods, and each misfit can do their own specialist task on it, mm. and we can see. How many tasks basically a sub $500 bike can do? So, for instance, Henry has somewhat reluctantly agreed to attempt to do an iron butt on it. Oh, all right. So, can this excellent little yeah. Nighthawk 250 do an iron butt? Right? It's certainly comfortable enough. Well, it's say 65 yeah. miles an hour now, for however long um, that has to be. Bring some oil with you. I think you're good. We to go. also well, can, it do, can it do 80 miles an hour? Is the question. Well, it should be able you to, don't right? need to And I, I said, can Proper we get gearing. can we get it out to bon- gearing? You could do it. Yeah. Can we get it to Bonneville and try and set a land speed oh, record? Jesus. <laughs> Charlie should do that too. Um, Mike <laughs> agreed to take it on the track. <laughs> so do a track day. On I will. I will take it on the, the fucking dirt. track, dog. So all I'll right. So John track. agreed to take it to like desert riding in the Mojave. Yeah. So we're talking like big block tires to do an iron butt. Throw a simple like. You can just see I was going to say also, a sheepskin on the seat, and you're good. Right. Um, knock is going to do the sheet iron on it. Yeah. You think <laughs> what? <laughs> awesome, Knock. Wait a minute. Yeah, dude, where was I in all this? <laughs> Um, Jim, Jim could do Sierra's. I got, I got that, That's exactly what I was oh, going to say. Flat track. Flat yeah, track. I'll, I'll do the mm-hmm. TT How track and Jim, Hollister. Wait a minute. How come? Uh, let me do the flat track and Jim could do the sheet iron because I just got voluntold. For <laughs> <laughs> What's going on over here? You're younger. Yeah. True. Um, what would you uh, like to do on it? If we gave you a choice. Well, wheelies. Wheelies. You'll wheelies. get arrested track. for that. Nah, I think dude, a fl- wheelies, dude. dude, flat track would be sick on that bike. It's low. Right. It's I don't think right it's got, tires. I don't think it's got the power to get the back wheel out. No, it d- probably doesn't. But like, if it's loose enough and your tires are, you know. Well, well you can. The br- on the side. Side. You know what I mean? yeah. In simple modifications, break. chain and sprockets can be changed. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, for trying to do Bonneville, you'll have to, you know. Mm-hmm. Gear up. Gear up. For doing flat track, you're down. Um, 
Emma, what about you? What do you think to make it prove that it is the best bike in the world? Could you enter it into a bike show? Yes. Uh, the cleanest Ninja T or uh, sorry <laughs> Honda Rebel. What is it? A Nighthawk two fifty ever though? No, I think if we follow this through, and it's very very speculative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should put it on the lawn at Quail. I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> As long do, do we do we pull uh, the dent out of the gas no, tank or no? no oh absolutely no, absolutely not. No. We we leave the dent in the gas tank. We it's leave the dent. blue tent. Uh, uh, we leave the blue tape around the turn signals and the black tape on the rear turn signals. <laughs> yes, we leave everything. We just put it on the That's lawn. All the we should not even ask permission. Just like roll it in there. <laughs> That's all the plan. Like, yeah, hold on, sure. bagel. With I got posse. one for you. Yeah. Hey, okay. Emma. Yes. See that um, the scooter uh, bodywork that's behind me? Do you think that would fit over the night? Can we turn it into a scooter and put it in a scooter rally? I think so. (laughs) I don't think that would go over so (laughs) We're missing ice racing. Oh, yeah. Ice racing. Oh, hill climb. Oh, hill climb. I'll do hill climb. No, it absolutely would would not have. Because we've got to be smart about this. It wouldn't have the power to do hill climb. Well, but I I would try. A hill 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 climb at (laughs) Hollister. Hollister, I would try that. I would take that one. On that, yeah, because you only make it up about 30 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Fall over. You could do hillock climbing. So this is kind of our challenge we're throwing around, is can we make this Nighthawk 250 the best bike in the world? And I want to hear from, you know, listeners, what suggestions you think. Arda, what do you think? I actually really like the iron butt suggestion, and I think we could make it kind of spicy just by putting a 90-minute limit on all modifications, so it's Ooh. like you have to do the thing, oh, but you have 90 minutes. Pressure. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's well, a good idea. Well, it's just, I think, simple, basic stuff. Yeah, but they're going to rule Yeah, but 90 minutes you. for Emma is not 90 minutes for me. I just, but that's <laughs> no, part of the but so, That doesn't matter because my entry, all I'm going to do is I'm going <laughs> to ride it to Carmel Valley and ride it out on the lawn of the quail and just <laughs> leave, yeah, it just leave it there. <laughs> it's gonna get hit by golf balls. Um, we should get Talbot to put it in his museum too. Well, I, I, it'll, oh yeah, he'll do that. <laughs> so no, we, that's a very good plan. Oh, we and could I think, exhibit I, I think it the end the goal, Talbot the, Talbot museum. the end uh, end goal would be to get Travis Pastrana to jump it. Oh, dude. Oh. Or over or, over <laughs> two baby pools. Let <laughs> <laughs> anyway. me see if we can get Norman Reedus to get it on the the Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. That's kind of, I think, our. our the well, goal. maybe we can make and it the most versatile Nighthawk 250. Maybe not. Maybe the best motorcycle ever might be well, a bit well, of a high bar. Well, step one, it needs help. So it's going to get tucked away in my workshop this week. All the mechanical things I'm going to address and make sure that it is mechanically just perfect. And then, and then we'll fuck with it. And then we're going <laughs> to start. We'll fuck with it. Then we can start fucking with it. Hey, got, this got to be videoed. Hey, John, you want to ride it to uh, AMA Vintage Days next summer? No. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> 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 well, AMA Vintage Days. I, I volunteer knock. <laughs> oh, shit. That's like. That's like Flaming burnout. It's like $5, oh, yeah, yeah. $5 a gas and $100 worth of oil right there. And then that, <laughs> we got to win the burnout contest on it. <laughs> well, you know, the burnout contest has got very little to do with burnouts and everything to do with what you're wearing. Or Showmanship. Not wearing. not wearing. Exactly. Well, I've decided next year the thing that we're going to need to win is a, an electric eel and a marching band. 
I think that's the formula. And bring a fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. It's getting to that point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Stop, drop, and roll. I ain't going to cut it either. Um, <laughs> so, Emma. Hello, darling. Do you want to talk about desserts? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about desserts. Because what, I mean, what inspired me with this? What it, And Liza came up with a suggestion. Actually, no, that, it came from Jim last week. I want week. that chocolate lava Because Jim wanted to ask Recording you. Recording in progress. Jim wanted to ask you some questions. Right. Did you want to ask oh. me some questions, Jim? Oh, well, no, we just got on the topic of like desert riding. And, yeah, so. And I, and I think desert. The history of desert bikes, you know, especially mm-hmm. the British scene. There's so many cool motorcycles, but there's a rich history. We we're like, hey, let's do a deep dive well, on the history of desert-ish things. So dessert. Let's. They always say. I mean, the legend says the first race was when the second motorcycle was built, and that you <laughs> know that right. is largely true. Yes. But what you've got to understand is how much things have changed. Over the years, most races in the 1900s, the 1920s, 30s, and 40s were feats of endurance rather than outright speed racing because it was all about your body's ability to withstand the punishment and your machine's ability as well. Because, you know, bikes weren't as sophisticated as they are now. they were big now. and heavy, right? Like, right. Well, hold on. We're talking really s- s- small horsepower bikes. Right. And, you know, just not sophisticated bikes. But if you want to go back to what I feel is ground zero for California desert racing, mm-hmm. We're gonna uh, you, go. We're gonna go back to 1908. You know what? When you say California desert racing, you know what comes to mind on any Sunday. Well, right? yeah. Well, we're gonna kind, we're gonna kind of get there. So yeah, I want to see how we. So let's go back there. to 1908. Oh, 1908. Lawrence of Arabia. Wow, the Cactus <laughs> Derby. Oh, and God. the Cactus oh, Derby was an LA. To Phoenix, Arizona race. Oh my God, that's brutal! Oh man, a feat of endurance. Now I want you to think about what the roads or lack of roads were like back then. Yeah, and what the machines were like. Because it wasn't even like a Route sixty six, right? Right, and the the Cactus Derby was was run on and off basically through the nineteen twenties. I would think it's somewhat like the Baja, right? Is that like they they probably still uh, had? Like total lost lubrication systems, exposed oh, valves yeah. and shit. Belt drives. Yeah. People died. People uh, literal died. wooden brakes. Open valve gear. Yeah, yeah. Wooden blocks on the rims of the wheels. I mean, mm-hmm. these were rudimentary machines. And this is something that would take you days. What's it called again? The cactus what? The cactus derby. Oh my god. First run in nineteen oh eight. And it was Last run nineteen oh eight. <laughs> Every everything I'm talking about right now is not exclusively for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Motorcycles have never really had an exclusive. Uh, what what do I want to say? Inroad into desert racing. It's mm. always been for suitable vehicles, right? Yeah. And so cars have always been part of it as well. And all the associations that govern it have always been cars and bikes. So this is not an exclusively motorcycle thing, as you know, Jim, because you've been down there. Yeah. Well, it's like any racing. If if it's got motors and one right. or more wheels, then people will race them. So. Exactly. So 
we're kind of going to jump forward a little bit and we're going to go back at the end. So basically all up until the Second World War, which is 1941 through mm. 1945, <laughs> these meetings were made very, very sporadically. There was no real governing body. It was you'd get together with your mates, you'd go out in the desert, you'd have a good time, you'd see how long you could last, you'd see how long your bike could last. After the war, things were a little bit different because the bikes were becoming a lot more sophisticated. You know, wartime kind of does that. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way technology is pushed forward, you know, a good war, things start becoming a lot more reliable. Things start becoming weight critical. Because do you remember... A couple of months ago, we did a podcast and there was a picture of a young man sitting next to his motorcycle in a glider just about to land for D-Day. Mm. Oh, yeah. So now weight is critical. So oh, yeah. what we have are lighter weight machines, more sophisticated engines, more reliable engines. So now you can actually go out and start racing. Otto mentioned, too, that the production capacity of nations in general got better. Oh, absolutely. So. And particularly after the war, all the manufacturers manufacturers that were geared up for war production now geared themselves up for civilian production. So I'm really curious about this period. I'm not sure when it starts, but say the late 50s, early 60s. When yes. Triumph was dominating, or maybe yes. not dominant. Triumph was big in the desert scene, right? Well, they all were. Okay. But they weren't. Triumph were big. Matchless were big. Okay. AJS were big. Okay. Norton were big. Right, but it, but we hadn't gotten to the Husqvarna stuff. No, right? no, no, to no, the, no, to no, the tall not travel. Yet. So it's an interesting period. So what bikes were they taking that post-war era? Those fifties, early sixties. It was British. Just street these bikes were, and converting them, or were they doing no, sing these singles were, or, or no? Twins? These were off the rack motorcycles. That yeah, you know, what you've got there is a Triumph Trophy. Yeah, sixty-three, yeah. uh, one a T one twenty C Bud Atkins Desert Sled. Right. Ooh. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess it, would, yeah. it makes Beautiful. sense because it's like the the people who won the war had the best production capa capability, so they are the ones that build the bikes. Yeah. Right, and the there was a slightly different attitude as to what bikes were for. Mm -hmm. Now, to I'm looking at a picture. You see, here we go. This is an absolutely fantastic picture of a very early 1960s Triumph. <coughs> Just stripped down to the max. It's got high pipes. It's out. Looks like it's out in Mojave. Mm. Um, hasn't changed at all. But Eakins. Yeah. But we've already gone to the 60s. Let's just stay in the yeah, 50s 40s, for 40s. a little yeah. while. Um, outright horsepower was not necessarily... As much of an advantage as you think. Reliability counted for a mm. lot. Comfort counted for a lot. Ergonomics counted for a lot. And weight. Mm. The big problem with American domestic bikes, they were very, very heavy. And what the way the British used motorcycles in the Second World War, they used them for paratroopers, they used them for frontline troops. So... They used them for dispatch bikes, so they had to get around quickly. So British bikes had power, very, very lightweight, very reliable. Now, you say, well, 
Germany, they're great engineers too, and they were, but they use their bikes slightly differently. They use smaller capacity two-stroke bikes for dispatch. Mm. The larger bikes were almost exclusively gun platforms with sidecars. So the mm. BMWs and the Zundaps were very, very large heavyweight bikes, which could support <clears throat> artillery. So now we're, we're in this post-war racing period, and that's why we're not seeing German bikes, because they weren't relevant to what was going on. If you wanted to win a race in the 1950s, you needed a British bike. And Now, is this pre-Mako and Osa? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All of that pre-stuff. The Europeans came in in the late 60s. So let's talk about 1967. 1967 was quite a big year because it was formed, um, an organization was formed called NORA, N-O-R-A-A, R-R-A, which is the National Off-Road Racing Association. And their big deal was the Mexican 1000. Yes. Mm. It was the first year of the Mexican 1000. Cool stuff. Now, it changed its name to something that's a lot more familiar with us now, with the Baja 1000. Yep, it's score, right? Yep. That's the original. Right, but the idea. original name for it was the Mexican 1000. Yep. And it was open to motorcycles <clears throat> and cars. But finally, with Nora, you had this banner that everyone could be under. There were rules. It was sanctioned. It was affiliated with the AMA. These were time trial events. And I think while we're in 1967, everyone... I was just checking out their Instagram page, and they, uh, yeah, Malcolm Smith's 1966, Husqvarna 250.0. And that would have been one of the first years. This is how far ahead Malcolm Smith was. He took a chance on that bike, Hmm. you know? He really did, because it was not a massively known name in 1966, and he saw the potential. 67, 68, 69, these were the big years for Huskies. Right, but that's where they were the first of the, uh, you know, lightweight, right. how, exactly. long travel, suspension, so, blah, blah. Everybody here has seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. If not mm-hmm. lived it occasionally. And <laughs> the we'll remember, he went out to... Um, cover a motorcycle race the mint 400 right. yes and that yeah. existed that wasn't a figment of hunter yes. s thompson's imagination the mint 400 was actually inaugurated in 67 to promote the mint cas- uh, casino huh yeah brilliant. so the mint was a big casino in las I think vegas they may have just so, raised that yeah. yeah um and it kind of went well the mint was run pretty religiously till the mid-80s, and then it kind of dropped off the face of the earth, but it researched in 2008, and they're still running it now. So um, basically from the 60s all the way to modern times, this is, you're now under the National Off-Road Racing Association. But we're going to go off at a little tangent because you can't talk about California desert racing without talking about Baja. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Baja racing was 
something of its own thing. Now, Baja Motorcycle Racing really goes back to 1962. So we're going back to 62. And it starts with really three guys. It starts with Bud Eakins. No, Bud Eakins had a brother. No. Dave Eakins. Old Davey. Yep. <laughs> and a guy called Bill Robinson who ran a very large Honda dealership in Southern California. And Honda had just come out with their CL72 Scrambler. And they were very, very eager to show how reliable this bike was. So they said, well, let's organize a race that goes from Tijuana to La Paz, which is 40 hours of hard riding. Yes. And we're going to set a 40-hour limit on this. And the very first year, which was 62, that Bud Eakins and his brother rode it, they came in under 40 hours by like 20 minutes. Mm. Wow. So they, wow. it was close. The two of them, yeah. Wow. And so that's really genesis for Baja racing and desert racing in particular. Well, especially, like you said, in California. And yes. Well, you know, I kind of restricted this to California because this is what you're doing right now. We have a question from the cheap seats. I do, seats. I do, I do. Um, we all know that a scrambler is a style of bike. Yes. And I I didn't realize that desert sled is also a style. I thought I, Ducati was the first one I was familiar with. Oh, but, God, no. But no, this is a lot they of history. Just, so can you tell me what is the difference between a scrambler and a desert sled? Well, you know, there's there's a variety of detail differences between the two because they're doing different jobs. If you look at a scrambler, mm -hmm. a scrambler will have high pipes, as does a desert sled. It'll have very, very knobby tires because it's on mud. Well, that's where you're going to differ from a desert sled because a desert sled, you're basically in sand and loose pack stuff, so the very, very knobby mud tires won't work. Mm. Also, a scrambler has very, very high fenders because it's designed to run in mud. Mm. Desert sled doesn't. It has lower fenders because you're primarily in sand. Mm. Um, and there's a huge difference in the state of tune of bikes. See, a scrambler only has to do maybe an hour's course. A desert sled is going to be run flat out for seven or eight hours. So the desert sled, it tends to be a larger capacity, a softer tune engine to handle the higher speed. And better cooling or oil cooling or something. Or Yeah, you're going to have reserve oil cooling on it. You're going to have reserve fuel on it. It's going to be basically, in raw terms, it's going to be a tamer bike but it's going to be something that can go for a lot further. Yeah, so I just I found an article on desert sleds, and this is a, a Harley desert sled. Yes. And they said that the desert sleds were not a production bike. It could be any brand bike right. that somebody modified for them as, as a desert bike. So they're all slightly different. Um, they and said, everyone's interpretation it, it of what be, makes it different. They said this could be a Harley, an Indian, or any type of home-built contraption. Um, but here's a great quote. These machines were not so much about going fast through the mighty desert, but just finishing the ride without a major breakdown or crash. Because the stakes are high out in the desert. As, oh, yeah. As you guys Reliability, know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting talking like I just there's a, a something I follow on Instagram called Ace Desert Parts and they build these bikes for mm -hmm. storm. Right. Build them. 
And it's interesting. They have one that's an example of this little desert cub is almost done, uh, blah, blah, blah. But they took a uh, uh, um, a Triumph Cub and then turned it into like a more of a desert sled looking bike. But it's interesting just the, the reality modifications a cub would make a lousy desert sled. It's just not enough power. Well, no, because the thing is with a cub, desert racing, as you well know, Jim, is high speed, long distance. Mm-hmm. The bikes work hard. The bikes work very hard. Mm-hmm. And a cub has like about 12 horsepower. Yeah, and it contains like th- four ounces of oil. So, <laughs> exactly. So, it's just woefully inadequate for a sled. But it looks the good. reason the Triumphs did so well as desert sleds, matchless, single cylinder, AJS single cylinder, Norton, until really the Atlases came along and the Dominators before it, the single cylinder, Triumphs were a twin. Mm-hmm. Going mm-hmm. right back to the 1930s. You know, Edwin Turner's masterpiece of design was a twin cylinder. So they always had that edge in power. Mm. And they're just the sweetest mm. engines. Well, we saw them racing at Laguna at the vintage stuff at Laguna, the dirt bikes, and they sounded oh. awesome. They, it sounds like tearing calico. It was great. So, you guys, so and in this article I'm reading, they also are talking about modern builders who yes. are building desert sleds. And I realized. No, mm-hmm. well, here's one out of Triumph. I realize this is the like the zombie apocalypse bike when people are putting oh, totally. no- knobbies on everything. Yes, well, and they tend to have these They're big stainless, like these stainless kind of metal fenders to them and stuff. They yeah, just, this is they a desert. That's gnarly. what they're building. However, as a postscript, because you know when I do my history holes, I always like to add a little postscript. P.S. I'm not going to talk about California desert racing mm. without adding a little something about the 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 Big Bear Run, which, strictly okay. speaking, is not desert racing, but is very California. And the Big Bear Run started in nine, basically in the 1930s. And it was started by two guys who were drinking. That's usually how it works. It's yeah. usually how it's it works. Start. Not, not <laughs> having a salary. Right. Right. Yeah. And they bet one another who could be the first from downtown L.A. Mm. to Big Bear. Yeah. And it actually ran for 29 years. <laughs> After that, oh, great old organized by the Orange County Motorcycle Club. Last one was run in 1960. It had 1,000 entries. <laughs> Would like to know who won it? Wait, uh, 1960? Yep. Oh. Malcolm Smith. I don't know. It's too early. No, it's- but Aikens. But Aikens, yeah. Hey, but Aikens, yeah. uh, and Eddie Mulder. Hmm. Both giants. I mean, giants of the California motorcycle scene. You know, God, California's rich with motorcycle racing. Yeah. It basically, it boils down to people jumping on their bike and going out and having fun at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and California and LA in particular was just this giant market for bikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have Los Angeles with this just this sprawling metropolis. <laughs> but not far out mm-hmm. is this playground. And it's yours for the weekend. Well, yeah, people like yeah. Steve McQueen. Oh, I'm sorry, Liza, but it's Steve mm-hmm. McQueen making it a superhero. Like, wow, Steve McQueen's right. out there riding bikes and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, Steve you know, McQueen, on his Sunday movie coming out. Don't get me wrong. Steve McQueen loved his British bikes. 
loved them. His favourite bike was the Rickman Matisse. Mm. He always said that was the best bike he ever had. But Steve McQueen loved power to weight above all else. Like a true like a motorcyclist. And that power to weight ratio, you simply can't ignore it. And the, the fact is, by the late 60s, Europeans were really setting the pace. Mm-hmm. And the Huskies came in, and every single British off-road bike was obsolete immediately. Mm. Right. Immediately. It's, it would, they were that good. And it breaks my heart to say it, but it's natural evolution. It's, <laughs> yes, we have, we have a question from the cheap seats. Um, Emma, yeah. I have a question for Bagel. The Bagler! Bagel. Yes. Bagel, I'm assuming that there isn't a desert racer scooter. Um, assuming that there isn't, I want to know if you were to build a desert sled out of a scooter, what would be the bike that you build it on? What platform? <laughs> Stretch well, Boosa. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think. I mean, there there have been. I mean, there there are Vespas that have ridden in, in the Perry to the Car race before. <laughs> what? Um, okay, yeah, you need like to. You need to. I think we we talked about it before on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. I mean, there it it's been done, but they, they're they're not you know really meant for that and not really well designed for that. Um jeez. Uh what about like a passport or something like that? Oh no, I'm actually thinking a Lambretta two stroke. Well <laughs> I mean you you could um you know I, I my my experience with, with riding off road in the desert is so minimal that I couldn't even begin to describe you I'm, know, what would be I'm gonna to make, make it easy for you, Bagel. Oh, here we go. If you yeah. were designing a scooter to go to the patisserie to buy desserts <laughs> and you're in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's perfect already. All you need is a shopping basket to hang on your arm. <laughs> in that case I'll write a Piatti. There you go. All right. Well, I do see that the Cottage Life magazine does have an article on the best off-road scooters for off-road <laughs> adventures. Cottage Life. Oh. Yeah, Daymax Boomer Beast apparently is a big one. Um, I have like, a misfit. Oh, it's a three, Asian market. I, it's a three-wheeler. I have a misfit <laughs> top tip. Don't ever Google Cottage Cheese magazine. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you know what? When I said that I'm interested in a, a lower... Dirt bike, I am not going to rule out that um, Honda Adventure scooter. Yeah, we saw one. Yeah. yeah. That thing was dope Do looking. Yeah, I'm not, like, not like going to rule that thing. out. That would be pretty cool. The Honda ADV scooter? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think that's what we saw, right? At that fucking shop. Bagel just can't bring himself to buy a Honda. Dude, uh, what's wrong with you? He really wants You're, one. He oh, just can't you should get this. I, own, I, own I know it's cool. How big, what size wheels they have? Is that an 18 front wheel? Yeah. Or 17? 18? It's a really cool looking bike. It looks dope. Look it up, yeah. Harlot. That might be a good yeah, one awesome. for a desert sled. I don't know. Yeah, it's a Honda XADV. That's oh, you yeah. would rock yeah. this too, Liza. Oh, I know. You should get a horn that goes... I take that on the sheet it is a iron. really cool dope. looking bike Fuck and it. it's in the same price range you're talking about oh my brand god. new oh my god and it's a DCT 
Oh, get wow. out. I love hey. the Honda DCT. Oh, my God. Oh, You're wow. so old. Oh. Shoot. I wonder if I should Dude. sell my Africa Twin and buy this. It comes in red. You should. That'd be a great upgrade <laughs> for you. Well, test ride one when it comes. Is, is it out already? It says 2021. I've seen one that looked kind of like it. It's got an automatic windshield. Dude, it's got oh, tubeless automatic windshield. Test ride it. It's got I'm storage. In. You could know how many pies you, you could think? put under the seat. This thing is pimping. And it comes with I'm a milk crate it. on the back. I'm oh. in. Oh, it's got <laughs> rugged suspension. You're the, good. The Gizditch hauler. And it's got premium shocks. It has those fancy no, little seriously, things on the back. No, seriously. I, I Dude, would I'm seriously consider that. Anti-ABS. When I was travel, the, the front end, that, you should ADB do it. ADB-150. Right? It's a 150. It's only, oh, no, that's not it. That's the, the same one. size as your Pakistan rig. Uh, well, it weighs 520 pounds, so. What? Really? What? Oh, it's that heavy? I don't know about that. How can it weigh 500 I'm reading off a thing. Well, Maybe it's a different yeah. thing, but. Because I think those 150s were like 300 something. Yeah. It's, it's obviously designed for going to the patisserie to buy your pastries. The ADB X750 <laughs> is not available, apparently. Not in the States. It doesn't say oh, it that's is. a 750. Yeah. Oh, I was looking oh, at the I'm 150. That's what yeah, I was looking at. One, the 150. I the 150. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, has there been any word about the 750 coming in? I'm not sure yet. Mm. I think I need to go visit some dealers and see. But yeah. while y'all are looking stuff up, I wanted to ask, uh, staying with the theme of desert riding. Um, By the way, did you enjoy that little history hole? It was I did, a, thank yeah, you so much. We could keep going and going. I love your holes. <laughs> thank you, I'm quite... I mean, your history holes, your history holes, excuse <laughs> oh me, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Well, now you can watch, like, you can still watch those races. They're still happening. And, you know, exactly. the car, all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, right. I wanted to ask the guys here, because I know you guys the really boys. like to go out and ride in the desert. Um, but you can't mess around when you're out there. It is, it is your life depends on it. I'm wondering what your toolkits that you pack to take, like, what things are you packing to take with you when you're out riding in the desert? Yes. Yes, the important yeah. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do we bring? So I've, if you want, I can walk through, I guess, everything that I bring. Um, yeah, and you got to be prepared. The stuff I bring, it's a combination of probably like most people. It's like watching a bunch of YouTube videos mm-hmm. and reading articles and then life experience, you know, what you learn there. And uh, lacrosse, Knox working on his lacrosse. Oh, over here. Hockey, it's hockey season. Um, I'm fidgety. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah. Today. So, what kind of what I've, I've distilled it down to um, is I went back and forth between a back, well, like everything in a backpack. So, the storage I have is a backpack, and then I have some storage on the bike. So, I've gone between a regular backpack and then also a climb kind of vest that they make, like yeah. a weight bearing vest, which I mm. got one, used it for a bit, then got away from it. Now I'm back to it. I like it. Um, there's pockets and it's in the got front. the water pack in the back, and then it carries all that storage. In yeah, the front. you know, the number one thing is you have to have water and fuel. Those are mm-hmm. two huge ones, and you can't have too much of either. So, a camelback is is required, and I just um, my current one's two liters. I just got a three liter one in the in the. I just mm-hmm. got a, a three liter because. Three liter of that, and then um, I carry extra water, um, but I'll talk about that later. So in the backpack, I've got the water. Um, I also carry tools, um, and in my tools, actually, I have them in here, but I won't drag them out because um, they'll fall all over the place. But it, I, I've got it down to a pretty small toolkit. And uh, Do you have anything to eat in there, Jim? I might have a little something. Because I'm, 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 I'm actually getting quite hungry. Um, here, you can chew on this radiator repair tape. And do either of you <laughs> use Rotopacks? No, no. Because no. I know uh, Mike got into that. The Rotopacks are pretty cool. Here's what I'll say is on my bikes, um, dual sport riding, you know, I can get about 100 miles maybe on a tank, right? 100 miles, worst, say 70, 70. 
if you do, if you ever ridden 70 miles in like desert or challenging terrain, it's it, it's a pretty long day of riding. So for the most part, I don't go further than than my gas tank will carry me. See, I have a desert tank on my on my on my XT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but that's you can four gallons. Rota packs. You, even, you can put water in it. You can put. Here, th- there's different well, ones. Here, the the thing, especially in the sand. Mm-hmm. Well, it's weight management, right. right? Like I could get a bigger tank, but guess what? That's 16 more pounds on the front of my bike. Right. You don't mm-hmm. have to fill it up. Well, but to be, yeah, but people <laughs> yeah. do. I'm just saying. So I, I, it, a lot of it's about weight. So that's what I fight a lot. Um, and it's not just the weight, but where can you put the weight? But my, I'll walk through my toolkit. So I've yeah. got, uh, I bring sockets and a couple of wrenches. So I have three sockets, an eight, a 10, and a 12, just because sometimes people need that. And this is in a roll-up bag? Yeah, it's a little climb tool roll. Um, okay, came with nice. it came with a thing. Oh, bit of name dropping there. Yeah, yeah. and this, you know what? I have the same one. It it yeah. works. I had another one, a Velamachi one that's a little bigger, mm-hmm. that's good for the Africa Twin because some of the stuff's bigger. But this again, it the bigger your tool roll, the more shit you're going to put in it. Right. Um, so I really only have, I have three sockets and then uh, some steel stick, right? And that's there. Then I've got a ratchet. I've got three wrenches, same as the sockets. Uh, safety uh, you're wire, the steel stick, the epoxy, metal epoxy is what you're talking about. A metal epoxy, so it's yeah. the stuff you cut off a chunk of it, like yeah. old chewing tobacco, and then so you get a crack in your case or something. That's gotten me out of a jam. Steel stick it's saved me shit. in the desert last time. Yeah, it's yep. probably the number one thing I've used. Um, just out riding, steel stick and safety wire. Mm. Um, and steel stick, it's always a cracked side case, side cover, yeah. whatever. Yep. Every single time, and, but but if you steel stick works great. Um, and every every time people have kept riding. Sometimes you don't even have to add oil. Something I learned recently, steel stick versus, um, what's the two-part mixture? Weld. JB Weld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JB Weld, if you have to knock it off afterwards to make a repair, apparently is much harder to get off mm-hmm. than yeah. steel stick. So those things have like a 12-hour cure time. Yeah, but I've never had steel stick fail. And I've had it, I've repaired like brake lever, uh, yeah. you know, fucking mm-hmm. clamps and perches, whatever. I thought that's what the vice grips were for. Yeah. So, okay, it's so back to the toolkit. <laughs> so I've got three wrenches, an 8, a 10, and a 12, safety wire, needle nose pliers, Zip ties, uh, uh, vice grips, right, which work for everything, for shifters to all that. A magnet, like an extendable magnet, because mm. things fall in places. And then a four-in-one screwdriver, um, you know, one that would yeah. bits come in and out. And that's that's really my my toolkit. And honestly, it's like pliers, safety wire, and and steel stick. It <laughs> seems to be what we use. But the sockets come in handy too. So, but that's what I've. Because it's easy to add more stuff, but then it's heavier. Um, See, I, I add a few extra things to that. So I'll put, um, depending on where we're riding, I'll, I'll often put extra tube. And I usually just bring a front tube because if I get in problems, I can use the front tube in the back if I need to. Is that True. the case? Do yep. you use the bigger of the two or the smaller of the bigger two? Bigger of the two. The bigger of the two? Yeah. Okay, because I've heard you do the smaller and stretch it also. No. I never knew. No. So and, the bigger. And, uh, you know, obviously I bring a couple. Um, Motion Pro has small spoons. To yeah, be able yeah. to take yeah. a tire off, so I'll bring I'll bring uh, three of those actually, and then I'll have um I I love zip ties, but I found metal zip ties at Ace Hardware, mm. and they've saved me a bunch of times. So because mm. they're just a little more stout, and you can use mm-hmm. it on exhaust. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can use it on everything. They're pretty so, cool. So I like those, and uh, yeah, so that's I think yeah. that's what I would add to. Oh, I and something to take off the rear wheel if I need to. So. So yep. I want to have a size, either a crescent wrench or the right size socket yeah. to get the rear wheel off. So I, I keep a similar kit. I keep it separate than this tool kit because sometimes I'm like, because it's more weight. Like it's that slippery slope, which mm-hmm. if I'm going to go far by myself, I'll bring it. But right. if I'm within not too far, you know, I hope I just hope it I can ride like something a, back. Sounds like you're ready for a titanium tool kit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You <laughs> yeah, know, it's, it, spendy, it, it's yeah. a dark, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. But yeah. then, um, 
So I, on my back, it's the tools, it's the water. Then I also carry a toe strap, a um, couple of toe mm-hmm. straps, one inch tubular webbing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. And then I carry some protein bars in the back, like yep. uh, whatever trail mix bars with that kind of stuff. And then I have a monocular, like a little a little spyglass, you know, that I can pull out and you can look long distances, which is kind of fun. Um, and then everything else I carry in the Mojave. So they're uh, giant loop Mojave saddlebags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. They're bomb. I like them because they get the weight where you want them. Um, I, I will say they're not big. No. Uh, but they are not small. But they they get the weight tight into the bike and down low yeah. rather they, than having something on top. Yeah. And the and. Uh, rather than having it on a tail, like on the, mm-hmm. the back there, the tail rack, because A, I've broken a subframe like that once on the KLX, snapped it. I'm like, what happened to my shock? And the you know the, the rear <laughs> fender, whatever's bouncing on the wheel because the subframe cracked off because I had too much weight on it. Um, and it puts it further back. When you get the weight down with those saddlebags, as Mojave's put it, it's in a nice spot. And I'll say it's almost as if you have a passenger and this is their their the thigh of their jeans mm-hmm. like that's what where it, like if you have a passenger sitting on the bike oh yeah where the thigh wise. of the jeans yeah and, and um yeah that's so exactly where it so i do bring those because i need a little bit more space and i don't want to carry so much on my back um so in those usually on one side i have another liter of water in case mm-hmm. like my camelback fails like all of a sudden like why is my back wet and the three liters of water just drain <laughs> right because you can't if you don't have water you're 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 screwed you are straight up yeah. screwed um, so I bring extra water there. And then on the other side, I have a first aid kit. Um, and if I do bring tire changing stuff, I'll f- shove it in there too. Um, but the other thing, the two other things I bring that are, that are super important, ask Mike, he'll tell you, is also in the sides, I shove in um, um, running shoes. So lightweight shoes. Mm-hmm. Because if you're out, you know, seven, eight miles from mm-hmm. where your truck is and you got to walk, you do not want to do it in dirt bike sho- mm-hmm. in dirt bike boots. Good tip. And I bring a hat for the sun and yep. sunglasses. Yep. So Mike's two-stroke had an issue on the way back when we were slabbing it after he wheelied and had oh, his moment. And a toe strap? Yeah, he's uh, like, a toe he strap. I have a toe yeah, strap, yeah. 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 Um, but Mike, Mike's like, hey, I'm going to wait with a bike because he didn't want anybody to steal it. You know, because it's kind of you know down in that area. Like, you could see leaving your bike off the side of the road, and next thing you know, it's gone when you come back. So he had to stay with his bike. But he had no hat. It was just him, just his head exposed. So I gave him a baseball cap. So if you ever do have to walk back, I bring, you know, walking shoes and a sun hat how long was he out there before you got him oh a good 45 minutes it was, oh, we okay. had to we had to ride 20 minutes back what did you figure out what happened to his bike yes Do you have his two strokes did he oh, his what? piston yes. what happened no but but he had to stand naked in the desert dude for like 45 minutes while we went back. i thought you were going to say 45 days oh no, god no so what happened to Jesus. the bike the two stroke no it'll be fine D- details, darling. Oh, details. So, so um, a couple of things I'll bring too is well, I'll just say it's not a it's, it's a piece of kit. It's I I love the little packs that you put in your water so that um, oh the flavors that, are that stops yeah. it helps with dehydration in the oh, desert. So and they actually really yeah. work. And then secondly, toilet paper because sometimes you got to take a dump in the desert mm. and you don't want to be out like you don't po- just put sand on it like, I like know. Yeah, I just, <laughs> sand, sand on my anus is not Band a good situation <laughs> <laughs> I keep waiting to hear lip balm on that list somewhere oh, well, sunscreen I, I mean I usually throw a little sunscreen in though like a small bottle what for your bottom well, right. you know, Why for whatever it's handy yeah. for the other lips <laughs> we need it but um, yeah I mean uh, yeah so that that's kind of the, the kit and, you know we bring and along the thing and, is over the years you've really dialed it down you started out with like a big kit you never know what you're going to need I know because you have dialed it down to just the bare sense. well what I did is I literally like 
Because the, the toolkit that came with the bike is kind of funny. It was um, something to tighten spokes, a spoke wrench, and a, park, mm-hmm. a spark plug wrench. That was it. <laughs> uh, but I literally just went through every bolt with an 8 and a 10 millimeter socket and see if I ever need an extension. Because I put on some aftermarket stuffs like radiator guards that I might have to you know use an mm-hmm. extension for. And pretty much I went through every bolt and figured out exactly what Allen wrench and what socket I needed and, and what I would have to get to. So, so yeah, it's bare minimum, but I think it, it works. I, I guess aside from the actual equipment and tools, there's also the discipline of actually going over your equipment, right? sorting out what works, what doesn't, before you actually go out, obviously, before you go out and parts yourself to death in the middle of a desert yeah. and yeah it's because i've forgotten stuff i forget i've forgotten a chair i've forgotten mm. hats i forget all that kind of stuff so redundancy is kind of a good point, so no duct know? tape huh oh i bring duct tape what yeah, i do is like not on the bike on my rack mm-hmm. i'll just i'll i'll take like a three oh. or four foot section i'll just wrap it around the rack mm-hmm. just so i have it there if i need it that's a good idea and mm-hmm. then what i also use is uh i always bring a, a really good gerber multi-tool because mm-hmm. that actually lets me not have to yeah. bring some other tools yeah, especially yeah, yeah. the the center drive one is really nice yeah i feel love bring that yeah they're pretty awesome yeah, so, yeah, so that's cool. it. But at the end of the day, it's like water and, uh, well, you know, and then there's other things like the Garmin, mm. the Garmin GPS, you know, oh, I got the InReach Mini, that's super yeah. no-brainer. Yep. Um, yeah, and just, you know, and just don't be don't be foolish, you know. Cool. Just, help ain't coming. That's what I put in my Thanks. mind. Help Thanks, ain't guys. Yeah. Um, we're now going to try out a new segment. Bagel, you don't know what's going on, so I, I figure <laughs> you'll be able to roll God. with it. No, I usually um, don't. <laughs> and uh, this one, um, I, f- I think what we'll do is, We'll go around the room and everyone gets one one turn. Okay? One turn, okay. So um, this uh, segment, I'm going to call it, um, Tell Me Why. Ain't <laughs> Tell me why. I forgot the yeah. next line. Um, <laughs> Emma, I figured, you know, we need to take advantage of your knowledge of just about everything. The knowledge. And I figured this is a good opportunity for us to ask you questions. They might be as existential. They might be engineering. But I'm sure we all have. Yeah, but I reserve the right not to questions. answer seriously. What color is the sky How in many licks does it take? It's clear. So, tootsie roll, tootsie Emma, roll. Yes. I, I'll start. Yes. So I have a question for yes. you. Yes. Tell me why. Why? That mineral oil is used on the clutches on my KTMs. Ah, that's actually quite a good question. Ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know why. So, um KTM uses a company called Magura, Magura, who's not a Bond villain to make um the clutch slave and master cylinder. And Magura made its name um making equipment for dirt bikes. It's very, very cutting edge where space is a premium. And mineral oil can work extremely well with no reserve capacity at all. So basically, with mineral oil, you don't actually need a master cylinder. You can literally have a piston, Mm. a line, and a piston at the bottom. And if you know how to bleed it, and the way you bleed a Magura system is actually with a syringe... Mm-hmm. And you just drop it in the top and pull it through, and you're done. Mm. So that is why. What mineral is oh. mineral oil made out of? Minerals. <laughs> All it's of like, them? It's basically yeah. baby <laughs> oil. You ever go to a 
Yeah, yeah, baby oil. It's the same thing. That's just not. So it's like made what's out of babies. Like a rock. Oh. Yeah, babies. <laughs> Forget me. <laughs> baby bones. Wow. Petroleum it's, product of some okay. kind. Yes, it's made. It's made from mineral oil. It's oh. got Minerals. electrolytes. It's uh, bronze. Well, thank you. So, who, <laughs> but who? yeah, where space is a premium, right, okay. mineral okay, oil John, is superior. You, and you just have to start it with. Okay. Tell me why. Uh, tell me why. Why? Why do motorcycle manufacturers not? lean into making technological changes when the market changes. I'm thinking specifically like we just talked about British bikes. Yes. That that didn't fail to upgrade and got, really got swallowed yes. up by and I think about Harleys. Yes. You know who act, who never sort of seemed to upgrade. So why yes. why did they why are they so intransigent in not changing? You know, it's tough. Um, it would be wonderful if you were able to wave a magic wand and change like that. But the truth is, in order, if you want to make a brand new bike from actually having one of your draftsmen hash it out on the drawing board to actually it rolling down the line, it's three to four years. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight. Nope. And even in the rarefied air of Japanese manufacturing, who really just super accelerate everything, They've got it down to like two, two and a half years. But when you look at a 2022 Kawasaki, that was on the drawing board in 2019. So there's a certain amount of luck involved and there's a certain amount of Mm. pushing the envelope where styling is concerned. So let's take Harley-Davidson. They know their market, and they also know their market is aging. But to actually bring a brand-new model to fruition, that's a four-year commitment. But they still walk away from, like, Buell, and they walked away from Livewire now. (coughs) Right. So every time there's something that's more relevant for the current market or for a future market... Don't kind of... You know, I could make this whole dissertation about american corporate culture and how it (laughs) operates and it's also bloody short-sighted but then you got apple yes and companies like that that are the opposite and they kind of build their own kind of yeah but they build their own culture anyone will tell you that apple culture and to a certain extent tesla culture Mm. is very very different to harley davidson culture Mm -hmm. um it is hard you know triumph All through Triumph's life, they wanted to sell their bikes to young executives. Mm. If you look to Triumph ads throughout the year, throughout the decades, there was always very, very clean cut, very masculine men. Yuppies. But very, very, (laughs) oh, long before yuppies. Long before yuppies. But, you know, very, very clean cut, masculine, obviously middle class guys Mm. in the ads. But that's not who bought Triumphs. Guppies. <laughs> if you, where I grew up in Birmingham, when you went out drinking on a Saturday night, you'd go to the Japanese bike bar where all the Hondas and the Kawasaki's were parked outside. And, you know, it was kind of fun. British bike bars, they were kind of different places. They were a lot darker and they were tougher. And if you walked into a bar where there was a load of Triumphs and BSAs parked outside, you needed to watch what you said Hmm. and you needed to watch how you behave because one wrong move, you'd get your ass kicked. Hmm. 
They were the toughest of the so tough. Is your answer because people are stupid and don't like change? Kind of. Uh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> truthfully, we have ourselves to blame because as motorcyclists, we're, we, are te- we tend to be a reactionary bunch. Yeah. New is not necessarily good. True. Um, I mean, it's just like, think about ABS, how obstinate people DCT. were about that. Or DCT. Yeah, shit like that. I, I mean, will I give... Fucking tube tires or whatever. I don't know. I will <laughs> give $10 right Uh-oh. now. I'm in, I'm in. For somebody who can tell me what ABS stands for right now. Alternative braking system. <laughs> Wrong. American braking system. Wrong. I can. Do it, Anti-block No, you resistance. don't count because <laughs> you can speak the language. Anti-block. You don't. I said in the room, and that was quite deliberate. But we can say it together. You actually, <laughs> this is a virtual body was close. So ABS was not invented by Bosch, but they had a big part in it. Mm-hmm. And you might do it. You're French speaking, aren't you? You're not German speaking. So ABS actually stands for anti-blockiert system or anti-block system, which is German for skid. Oh, right, bagel. Correct. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, um, that's not German. You're just saying American <laughs> yeah. words with a German accent. <laughs> I can do this yeah, too if you everyone, like. Everyone's saying, oh, ABS, anti-lock brakes. And where's this L come from? But it's actually anti-block system. Okay, Emma, I have to side. stop you there. Yes. Because we need to get to other people. <laughs> oh, forgive me. Yeah. All right, who's got, so who, who go. else has got? All right. All right. Ooh, oh, go for it. I have one. Um, go for it. From the classy girl couch. Yes. yes. Um, so the cue a little earlier, uh, tell me why. Why? I'm working up to it. Why? Uh, the cue is to come up with a sort of an existential question. So yes. So it's kind of a tell me how question, but there's a little bit of a preamble. Okay, yes, sure. yes, do it. Okay, so uh, one of my favorite books ever since I was like 19 is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Yes. Mm. Which you don't need to read. You can just read Hunter Thompson writing about like, Hell's Angels instead if you want to read a motorcycle book. Don't right. read Zen. Which is entertaining. It's, this is true. Yeah. It's, it's a exactly. philosophy textbook, and yeah. if that's what you're in for, it's great, but you don't <laughs> yep. need to read it. Phaedrus had a yes. lot to say yeah. about some shit but so one of the things that i really <laughs> keep coming to over and over again with that book is that he um he kind of groups riders in or not just riders but also motorcycles into motorcycle as an object and uh, interrelating systems and object like and a motorcycle as an experience yes mm-hmm. and i mean i find it very true and but i also wonder tell me how you could maybe shift one person from one camp to the other because I know so many people who just want to wow, ride. We just went up like how many grade levels in, at this podcast? I'm a we giant went from nerd. farts at the beginning to now this. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I know so many people who love the experience of riding, but when it gets difficult or confusing or technical, or when it comes to working on a bike, it's you. It's possible to engage them. I'm sure, but I, I don't feel. Know I feel how. being broke helps. I you're, then you're that forced is a to motivator. Yeah, you're yes. forced to figure it all out in your own. I think you're actually mm. missing the point because. Working on bikes is not for everyone. Riding bikes is not for everyone. Mm. What Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is about is quality. Mm-hmm. And quality of life and quality of how you live your life. And recognizing that. Now, 
I'm going to make a very, very bold statement. And I don't think I've ever said this before on the podcast. Oh, shit. Here we go. I actually like working on bikes better than riding them. Now, I want you to listen to that very carefully because that doesn't mean I don't like riding bikes. I love riding bikes. But, God, I love working on them. (laughs) I love laying my hands on them because that's what does it for me. And when you introduce the human element into anything... I always said you could you could write a workshop manual on how to do a, even the most rudimentary task. You could write a workshop manual on how to wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. And then you introduce the human element in it, and the best thing to do is just throw throw the manual away because everyone is different. You know, and I, I think if you expect Everyone who has the motorcycle experience to include working on their bike, I think you're missing the point. Well, and I, I definitely don't think that people uh, that because I'm I, I don't think people have to have both. I think you can absolutely just ride a motorcycle to a place and have fun and not yeah, need to know more than that. Right. But I'm also like because I love riding bikes and I love working on bikes and but that's you yeah yeah and and you and I totally get like I have had this well, conversation many times with people where they're like oh well, you you're know good what? at I, that and I'm like but, I, I feel like like the more you understand something the more you're able to appreciate the different aspects of why that thing is wonderful did, Liza did you have I a question think. right but <laughs> we, we have a we have a question from the cheap seats did you finish not. Yeah, I'm finished. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I, like I love eating. I hate cooking. Yeah. But Jim, yeah. is he likes cooking. He cooks. I like cooking and eating. So, yeah. I mean, so they're two completely different things, even though there's a common denominator. I do mm-hmm. get that, and it has been my favorite book for like 20 years. But I'm just wondering, because sometimes every once in a while I can get yeah. people, even if I'm not going to get them working on a bike, to see how, like, to share the enjoyment of it. Or, so, right. And so I'm kind of wondering. the enjoyment of it is for a hundred people, the enjoyment and love of motorcycling is going to be mean a hundred different things. Because as people, we experience our emotions differently. Mm. Love to me might mean something very different to what love means to you and what love means to Jim. So if we're actually breaking it down to like core emotions... What is love? Baby, that's don't a, hurt that's, me. <laughs> that's a question you can't answer for anybody else. You can only answer it for yourself. And so this visceral love and this fire I've had inside of me for 45 years now when it comes to motorcycles is a deeply personal journey. I think you just like order in a sense. Right, I mean, I like I like order for disorder. Kind of, we yeah, have a question from go. the cheap seats. No, I I have the answer that you seek, and the answer is I think a lot of people don't work on bikes because they don't know that they can do it and they don't have the confidence to do it. So the answer to your question is give them tools, teach them how to. Oh use God, tools. I I mean that's what we do here. We yeah we don't teach yeah, how to work on bikes, but we I, teach also, I also I <laughs> also recognize that. There are but, there are people who working on their bikes yeah. is just simply not 
ever going to be something they enjoy. It's a pain in the ass. And you does can, that yeah. diminish the their the love of riding a motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure whether I'm qualified to answer that. But yeah, but true. If you bought me a Vegematic, I am not making juice or soup. Well, or I guess uh, I guess so, there's, there's, well, unless you can does, deep fry it. Does, does okay. that answer your question? I think so. Because I mean, I acknowledge your point. I don't think you can force someone into right, one of the right. camps. My thing is kind of like, how do you lure someone? I don't think you can. Okay. No. I guess it's the difference between a, a Haynes manual and versus the factory service manual, right? Like mm-hmm. one gives you the bare bones, the other one shows you the tips and tricks. But you like. the factory manual, if the factory manual is virtually unreadable for a person right. in the street, exactly, yeah, you it's, know, and I, I, y- y- I mean, I've got so many factory manuals at my place, and it's like a different language, yeah, yeah. which I know how to interpret because I've been yeah. dealing with them for so long. Yeah, there's like machining knowledge you need to know to read right. those yeah. sort of things. Um, well, and you need to get into the metallurgy of yeah. not what it is but what it's made out of and why it's made out of that and yeah. what are the wear characteristics yep. of it and what you need to look for and blah 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 all right. it's all terribly boring so i need to wrap this question i'm just gonna say you can't force it but you can offer yes that's it so offer give that's it to it. them free the first time all right so all right not did you have a what's up with these loud ass fucking no, no, pipes no, man you didn't do it right man what? <clears throat> tell me why about these loud ass fucking pipes man <laughs> For real, where are you going? Where are you going in such a hurry? Well, why is why is my ears bleeding and I'm only like fifty <laughs> feet away? Why are you waking me up at th- two in the morning? Well, I don't even live in a dense city area. Okay, you cunt. <laughs> I say, oh boy, I Yikes. say. Okay, Knock has not been somebody well. needs some counseling. So years and years and years ago, and I'll keep this as short as I can. Um, motorcycles were designed in such a way with cam profiles that. The quicker you got the exhaust gases out of the bike, mm-hmm. the more power you would have. Oh, yeah. So it was, you had basically a restrictive muffler on your bike. Take it off and throw it away, and your bike's going to have more power. Sure. Now, this is 60 or 70 years ago. If we move on to what's coming off the production line now with the cam overlap and the fuel injection systems, To run properly, your bike needs back pressure, and back pressure at exactly the right point. And the exhaust system on a bike is a compromise, and it's a compromise between making an acceptable amount of noise and giving a lot of back pressure. So basically, if you buy a brand-new Ninja 400, throw the exhaust away and just put an open can on the end of it, it's going to make less power. Hate to say that it will make but less be cool, power, man. but will it be cool? No. <laughs> there you go. Personally, and this, I'm going to direct this to Harley Davidson riders. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference between volume of noise and quality of noise. Yes, true. 100%. And to me, if you have a large capacity V-twin, especially a pushrod V-twin, which should sound great, if you get a well-damped, damp that volume down, take the staccato tones out of it, and just give it a robust baritone, they sound brilliant. And here's the thing. Like, a good exhaust system 
It's quiet, but it sounds good. Like, well, it like sounds from, meaty. Yeah, like There's, like you get an you get an Akrapovich uh, uh, exhaustism from the factory from a bike that you bought just bought like a special edition version or whatever. It sounds great, right? But then you put your shit pipes on there from fucking Craig, and it sounds like dog shit, and it hurts everybody. All right, not not. I have a follow up question for you. Mm. Um, when you go outside and wave your fists at the squids on loud bikes, is your bathrobe slightly agape? My, my what? My what? Your my bathrobe. bathrobe slightly Who agape? says I'm wearing bathrobe? <laughs> it's a kimono. That's so, a, it's a kimono. That's so, a leading question, prosecutor. Basically, what Liza is saying, you are going out there and you're wanging your willy at Jigs. <laughs> Wee willy winky. Yeah. He's I mean, look, I, I get the whole aspect of it wanting to make more power and going fast on the but track. But it doesn't. It but does yeah. quite the opposite. But, uh, yeah, d- but it's the illusion but, of power. It's the illusion yeah, of power. I guess people like fooling themselves, I guess. I don't know, but man. It, well, it satisfies that need of wanting to... to Make noise to you know like, drown out your insecurity or something. What, what actual yeah. motorcycling thing I was talking about? They what? don't do it to be powerful or fast. They do it to feel cool. That's yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. I, I I look. I ride my bikes. I don't want anybody seeing me because I do some dumb goony shit. <laughs> right. So why announce it to the world where I'm like, hey, I'm gonna do some dumb goony shit real quick, sneaking around. Right. Good. <laughs> but that's just me, and that's the whole fucking All yeah. Whatever. All right. I don't know. Jim. All right. I get a motorcycle. I get a twofer because Liza keeps interjecting, and hopefully one of these will be quick. <laughs> so I was just looking at Carducci Dual Sport. So yeah. he builds those big twin dual sport bikes, mm-hmm. and I noticed he's now running uh, from a wheel builder somewhere down south a tubeless system on his. Big V twin dual sports. So, can you ride tubeless as a dual? Wait, sport you didn't tire? say you got Ah, what do I got to say? Tell me why. Like, oh, tell me why. <laughs> well, tell me why I why am hesitant to run way. a tubeless system on my dual sport bike, or so, can I? So let's talk Wait about the advantage. Is it actually tubeless? The brand tubeless or a tubeless it, system? I'm not sure. Okay, because there's there's a thing called a tubeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Well, let's, have a tubeless let's brand get tubes. Yeah. to why tubeless. It says tubeless L-E-S-S. Okay. okay yeah. So why is tubeless um, an advantage? Or, as our south of the border friends say, sin camera. Mas mejor. Si. Um, <laughs> Taco burrito. If you have a tubeless tire, to a certain extent, your tire becomes self-sealing. Does that mean tubeless tires go flat? Yes, of course they do. However... If you get a nail in your tire and it's got a tube in it, it's going to go bang. Or a cactus. Right. (laughs) And it's going to go bang and deflate straight away. Mm -hmm. Now, on the dirt, especially if you have security bolts, as you do. Rim locks. Or rim locks, as you Americans insist on calling. Rimming. Pawling. <laughs> locking, rimming and locking. Yes. yes. <laughs> rim locks. Favorite part of the So, change. Jim, what do you mean by rimming? Can you explain that? Locks. T- tell me again what <laughs> other part of the bike you can pee on. Yes. Okay. The, the rider's mouth. Okay. Um, well, the airbox. But. So, yes. It's not quite as catastrophic as on the street. I mean, if you're riding down the street, especially if you're giving it the beans and you your tire goes Bang. Mm-hmm. The first thing that's going to fill up is your undershorts. Yes. Been and then, there. you know, shortly thereafter, there'll probably be quite a big crash. But the attractive thing is you can run these super low pressures, right? Which is super attractive. Now. Well, and cars are starting to get into yeah. this too. Right. So, tubeless mm-hmm. in a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. The first thing you need to do is you need to figure out how to do it. 
Because traditionally, dirt bikes have spoke wheels Mm -hmm. for the strength and the simplicity. So how, how, how do we make tubeless tires with a spoke well, rim. Well, there's various BMWs methods. BMWs figured flex, that out. Right? No, no, no. They have the... It's a tape that goes on the inside. No, 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 no. Instead of the, the spoke going through the, the rim... The well, it's yeah. on peripherally. Yes. Um, Yamaha do it with the Super 10s as well by having a flange mm. that is cast on the rim and the spokes mm. go through the flange. So that's step one. Step two is, is the lower pressures that you're going to actually encounter... Because generally, if you're in the dirt, you're running 10 to 15 PSI. Like, I, run, I normally run 15 to right. avoid a pinch flat. And but if I could run 10 or 8, oh, my God. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yes. Now, with this, with this superior technology, with rims, with tires themselves with beads, and with the rim locks, you can do that tubeless. So, sounds great. And let's throw in the moose, the bib moose. Yes, yes. Because yes, we all love bib mooses here. I like moose. Now, yeah. somebody said... Bananas foster. Um, could I run a moose on the, on the street? And of course you can't. Right. Because the moose duplicates about 10 PSI. Mm. For those who don't know it, moose is what appears to be a fully inflated tube made out of squishy... Like an insert. Mm-hmm. Yeah foam stuff and you Mm -hmm. kind of squish it down and fit your tire Mm -hmm. and it duplicates about a 10 psi tire Hmm. and it's really ideal for off-road stuff right but but when what we do like mike illustrated is you never know you might have to slab it 20 miles to get back to a truck yeah but why can't you have a moose with air additive for well mooses 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 aren't air permeable no but the but you could make it but is the it, tube is so i sh- maybe i should look into a tubeless system not tubeless well tubeless. in order to do a tubeless system on your you bike i mean wheels, there isn't right? a rim band made that could really cut it mm-hmm. at the moment but the rim it'd be the, the wheels all yeah that. it'd be yeah. the wheels the thing you know i think it'd be a huge advantage oh my god well I, i've ridden the moto z's at 10, 9 pounds before in the right. forest where it's soft and not too rocky. And yeah, it makes a tremendous uh, and let me, difference. But let How me, much money do you want to spend? Yeah, but, exactly, like everything, time and money. Well, time and money. But let me shoot everyone's idea down in flames. <laughs> there is no point. There is zero point in bringing slime with you if mm. you have tubes in your tires That's because slime ass. does not work with tubes. Mm-hmm. That's the end yep. of that argument. Got it. Yep. If your bike has tubes... And you are carrying a, a bottle of slime, thinking it's going to get you out of a hole. You might as well drink it. Sounds good. Yeah, but there's <laughs> isn't there benefits to having tubes off road? In that, like, you know, you can always well, put can a new tube it. in. Yeah. Yes, you know, and so you. Yes, but, yeah. but if you have a tubeless <clears throat> tire and something, you, can, you know, you could really destroy it. And then you got to yes. put a new tire on. Yes. Yeah. So that, I mean, there are advantages, you know, yeah. and you can stack the odds in your favor. I mean, you can make sure that your tires are in good condition. Mm-hmm. You can make sure that your pressures are where you want them to be. And you can get these super heavy-duty tubes, which as big a pain as in the arse as they are to actually manipulate into the tire. You know, they really do stack the odds in your favor. Well, we had this conversation earlier because I've gotten a flat, like the last three flats I've gotten, two were with heavy-duty tubes. Right. One was a, a puncture from a cactus. 
And the other one was maybe the rim lock wasn't tight because it sheared the valve stem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So maybe that was it. And But then Liza made the point, well, how many punctures did you not get before right. that? Right. With it? So I did throw a regular tube back in today. So I'll be curious to see. Um, what I think it's a lot just effing luck. I'm, you know, yeah. luck. This sounds like yeah, I'm I going agree. off at a tangent, but it's a very, very interesting logistical thinking. So in the Second World War, the RAF were looking for ways to um, armor plate they're bombers. Mm. And so... Oh, this is the uh, yes survivorship bias. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when the planes came back, Engineer A was studying where the planes had taken the most hits and was proposing that's where the armor plating should go. Engineer B, who was the smarter of the two, said, hang on. These planes have taken all these hits in these spots and are still making it back. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. need to arm a plate where there is no damage. Or where the planes don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Because the planes that sustained damage in those areas didn't make it right. back. Fascinating. Survivorship. And it applies completely to what we're doing here. Yeah. When you're out there in the desert, yeah. survivorship, it's how you're going to make yeah. it back. Yeah. So you need to do everything in your favor to make sure you can make it back. I think, using my logic, I would do everything I can to figure out how to get you back with a puncture. Mm-hmm. And if that means changing your brand of tire, if that means introducing a second rim lock. Mm-hmm. For me, it seems that, that um, two, let's see, I had a sheared valve stem, I had a puncture from a cactus, and then I had a, a, a pinch flat from a hard rock. But that was running. But it's different tires and all that kind of stuff. Right. Stay on road. The nice thing about the Moto Z's, the stiff um, sidewall, is I could ride it back to camp. You know, two miles or so in the desert. Mm. So you know, I think you're on the right track. I mean, if you run Moto Z's mm-hmm. and introduce a second rim lock, mm. I think you could pretty much run it with no air in it if you needed to. Oh, that's fast. If you had a complete blowout, your enemy is the tire coming off the rim. Yes. Particularly in the desert. If you lose all your air, yes. you can still ride in soft I, stuff. I did. But when the tire pops off the rim, yeah, you're, you're done. So yeah. I was going to say you have a toe strap. You can just tie it to the rim. Yeah. Oh, I thought about that, that like shoving a bunch <laughs> of clothes into the t- into the tire itself and then zip tying all done, the thing. I've seen that done zip ties. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Bagel, do yeah. you have a tell me why question Tell me Emma? why. Tell me why. And um, and if you do, Emma, you only have sixty seconds to answer. Okay, because Jim used up all the time. I'll so bagel, I have go ahead. Question. Tell me why there isn't a uh, uh, a pr- production electric scooter available that will do highway speeds. Yeah, what the fuck is up with that, dog? <laughs> I want one. I need right? one. Yeah, especially in town. Fuck. Uh, are we paying? <laughs> it's it's Not a for one. it's a two word answer. Real estate. It's as simple as that. I thought it was they hoes. Real estate. There isn't sufficient real estate on a scooter to include a highway-capable electric propulsion system and sufficient batteries for make it go to go more than fifty well, miles. They, they can always make the scooter larger, though. I mean, doesn't shit, matter. Man. Doesn't well, matter. They have so much storage they in those scooters. They did it with a Bergman. Remember those? With a so Bergman. much storage. Well, but but storage is, is an integral part of the scooter. Right. And remember, batteries are heavy. 
propulsion system is heavy. You can't just say, oh, we're going to put a load of batteries under the seat. The thing will handle like a shopping cart. You've got to keep the weight low. You've got to keep it centralized. Are we, uh, Scooters are the devil when it comes to weight distribution. Is this, are we approaching diminishing returns or size to weight You know that, ratio? Bagel. Where are you going to put the... Where, you know, to quote Monty Python, where's the fetus going to gestate it? In, In a, a box? box? <laughs> so where are you going to put the batteries in a fucking trailer behind you well i mean that's that no there's the no well there's no well bagel i mean yeah, i simply won't be to, pacified with this they'd have to go underneath you that's really oh, the so best you lose place the step them. through on a so scooter. you lose the step through so it's no longer a scooter it's a well, motorbike under the, under the seat no 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 Oh my. So the technology just isn't there yet. Scooters it's totally just there. death so, traps. Oh, Absolute scooters bringing you death on wheels for we, 75 we, years. We, we, def- we definitely need a better ba- battery technology to, to make it more feasible, but I still, I still think that there's a way to do it. Well, Bagel, I think you answered your own question in that why aren't they going freeway speeds? There are electric scooters that don't go freeway speeds feeble. because to go Fe- freeway yeah. speeds... You lose the efficiency dramatically, True. so True. you have to have extra batteries, and now you lose a step through, now you've got a motorcycle. I have a, Boom! I have okay. a question for Bagel before we go. Mm. Yes. And it may be a machine you haven't had any experience of. I personally think they're great. Honda Venza 300. Hmm. I, I have not ridden the Venza. I don't really okay. know much about them. Oh, so they're, wait, hold they're on a second. bloody marvelous. They do 82 miles an hour. So It's nice. terrifying. Uh, apparently, a Vespa Electrica goes 70 kilometers an hour. Is that highway speeds? That's like 65, no, 70? 70 no, 70 kilometers an hour is 45 oh, miles an hour. Really? Feeble. Yeah. Feeble. That's bullshit, yeah, it, son. It's, it, it, it's almost enough to make it tempting for me to buy. But no, it's not. not. It's feeble, Bagel. It is. It is. <laughs> if it did fifty-five, I could justify it. Yeah, to be honest, you would. You would be a firm member of the feebler elves if you bought that bike. <laughs> I mean, because that's what the Stella will do, and I and I will ride that. I and mean, my, it's, it's and barely my, adequate. And my sixty seconds is up. Mm. All right. Well, okay. that wraps up that segment called. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. You Googled it. Tell me why. (laughs) All right. Can you play drums for that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, uh, Emma, for answering those questions. I have. Well, I hope I didn't get too out there. I mean, you know. You're brilliant. Well, well, you know, when when, when one's talking about things that are so close to your heart, like what does love mean to you? But, I mean, it's all part and part. I don't get so much haterade from, like, the loud pipes comment. Bring, so bring and I'm just going to tell you, like, I did a poll at the garage and asked this uh, of a lot of people. And I have a slew of questions like, why aren't there bigger thumpers? Why aren't more companies making three-cylinder bikes besides Yamaha and Triumph? And why can't Italians do electrics? <laughs> so we have a lot of questions to answer in the future. Oh, great. Well, um, no, perhaps we should do it as a weekly feature, and people maybe. can write Italians in. Italians can't do electric? With, you talking about spaghetti. You think it's British? Similar? Oh, I, you know. No, no don't get us started. Uh, when I, started when <laughs> I was don't, a don't. young Emma, I was lucky enough to have a Laverda Giotto, which was an absolutely bloody marvelous thing. And I once made the mistake of taking the headlight off 
and all this multicolored wet spaghetti fell all over the front <laughs> fender. And I tried to put it back in the headlight, but it wasn't going back in. <laughs> um, Emma, we have a few emails I wanted yes, to get we do. to. And there's a special one I wanted you to start with. Um, shall I start with the one from Carl or from Leo? Carl. This, um, I want you to bear with me this. Uh, do we all have, um, are we all ready? This is from Carl. Hi, guys. Sorry to be that guy, but I'm going to start on a bit of a low. <laughs> Stop it. No sniggering. Six weeks ago, my, life left me, my wife left me without rhyme or reason. Mm. It left me in some dark and lonely corners. Everything I did and everywhere I went seemed to have a dark cloud over it, even riding. Oh, I'm so sorry, Carl. Two weeks ago, I came across your podcast. I every every day I go to work, I put my headphones on and listen to you guys all day. Oh, I've currently finished episode fifty-three. Oh wow. my, we were still in the Megan, still in the mean Megan years. Wow. Yes, yeah. I know Almost I have a, a lot of ago. catching up to do, but I don't think it'll take me that long. Having you guys in my ears all day is like having a group of new friends, mm. and I. Honestly, don't think I could have made it through the last few weeks without you all. I love what you're doing, and if I lived in the USA, I would have taken the ride out to come and thank you in person. Oh. However, really I'm on kind. a tiny rock people call the UK! It's ah. ah, pretty tiny. Um, I currently have a handful of project bikes that will probably never get finished. Now, come on, Carl. You're going to finish them all, darling. 1995 Honda CBR 600 that I've dropped more times than I can count. Mm -hmm. Good O. 1978 Honda CB750 mm -hmm. Cafe Racer Project. Oh no. Right. 1989 <laughs> Suzuki GS550 that I blew a hole in the piston. Yeah. I did that to my Trident. Oh. 1980 CZ Jawa 175 for off road that I made pretty with BSA parts. The cool. only part I, fun. the only bike I have on the road is a gay yellow banana sports star. That's Camaro. The Camaro no, what if it's literally gay? It's just happening. <laughs> Weren't you just that. talking about genderizing motorcycles earlier? Yes. Well, you could be gay motorcycle. And send your uh, <sighs> send your complaints to Phil at clevelandmoto.com. So, is that a male um, or female motorcycle? The problem is I'm a <laughs> True. bike. I'm True. A, will you pay attention? I am sorry. Pay attention. The problem is I'm a bike hoarder, spelled mm. whore. Mm. Um, and I can't bring myself to get rid of the dirty turds. Well, there's nothing wrong oh. with that. As for my up-the-butt bike, um, well, that would have to be a Triumph TR6 Trophy Great Escape replica. Very nice-looking awesome. machine. Yeah, In the nice, vein of nice. tonight's discussion. Mm -hmm. Anyway, keep up the good work, you groovy misfits, and I'll do my best to catch up with your antics. Carl from Not-So-Sunny Cleethorpes. He's in cleats. So, so Carl, if you right haven't on. done it already, uh, listen to an old one, then listen to a new one. Oh, listen to an old one, we, listen to a new one. Go back and forth. Do you know hmm. the old ones are quite raw and ready, aren't they? In there comparison was, uh, to the product we put out now. No. It's not much of a Well, a, a possum could have run through the studio back then. You know what I mean? Like, literally. It was one microphone. A few times, actually. A heroin addict could stumble in through the door. Well, and rats, too. Yes, exactly. All sorts of critters. Now we just have termites running around. It hasn't changed much, really. Mm. We did have Bosley's um, farts, too. All right. I have a quick one from Magnus. 
Oh, nice. Hey, Magnus. Is this Magnus Magnusson? Magnus P.I. From Sweden. Sweden. He's a Viking. He says, hello, all of you guys. I have a question. Maybe you can take it up on one of your shows. Do you remember the Swedish chef from The Muppets? Calm down, calm down. All right. <laughs> Magnus has a Kawasaki Z1000, a 2010. Oh, that's yeah. not a, that's a good bike with 3,800 kilometers. Mm. So it's got fresh. no miles on it. It's fresh as a daisy, and it has it been, only has kilometers on it. It has been in the repair shop for about two months. Oh, that's not oh. good. Why? The problem is uh, it makes a rattling sound when engine braking. And it Ooh, annoyed the hell out of me, change? but when I pull in the clutch, the sound disappears. Mm. And the sound only appears during engine braking. Huh. The repair shop has had the engine apart, and they can't find any issues or wear and tear on any of the parts in the engine. My question is, what the hell can it be? P.S. Thanks for a super show. Kind chain. regards, Magnus. Check okay. your chain. Check your chain. Well, I've it, seen this happen before on bikes like it that. It could be his chain, but Wait. I think there's two things that are most likely. Broken clutch plate. No. So, in the back of the clutch, there's um, a shock mechanism, which is springs, which mm. are made radially. I think one of those is broken. Is that a shutter spring? Is that right? Well, judder, judder? Yeah. Judder? No, it's, it's, it's actually in the clutch-driven mm. gear itself. There are little springs that are made to kind of oh, absorb the, the clutch. the buffer springs. In the buffer the, uh, springs. Yeah, I think okay. one of those is let go. However... Mm. Kawasaki's are interesting devices. They have this thing called a positive shift mechanism. Yeah. And what a positive shift mechanism is, in the main shaft, there are five ball bearings. And what the idea is between these five ball bearings is when it's spinning, you shift up and it'll only allow you to shift from first to neutral. You can't shift into second. However, when the bike's actually moving down the road, it'll allow you to shift into second. It's a very simple and very clever device. They, they, they have a positive neutral finder on the, that oh, yes. generation of bike? I, I thought it was only like in the Ninja 250s and shit like that. No, like all Kawasaki's have got positive, positive neutral finders. Oh, on interesting. Every single one. Wow, okay. So... And I think if that's letting go, they make a hell of a racket. So I'm just mm. going to suggest something I do. When I have something that rattles, uh, just take some like newspaper and fold it up and shove it behind it, and it takes up the uh, the rattling. So yes. just, <laughs> I just do put behind the clutch basket. Yes. Look, yeah. Good Earpl to go. Earplugs work, too. Good to go. I have a far better idea mm -hmm. is get a pair of headphones and <laughs> um, download... Back on the road again by REO Speedwagon <laughs> and just play that on repeat mm. over and over again, very, very loud in your helmet, and you won't care about the noise your bike makes. Mm. There you go. Yeah. But um, it has to be back on the road again. Go easy. Check your chain first, and then check your One more email to read, and this one was kind of special too. Yes. Oh, th it's, it's me. Yeah, it's you. This is from Leo. Hey, Leo. Hey, Leo. Leo. In the US of A, I ride and I wave. My fellow bikers all see, my left hand floating free. <laughs> but in jolly old England, I wave with my right hand. The throttles let go, then I'm friendly, but slow. 
I want to be gracious, but also expeditious. I'm counting on you, Miss Emma. Please help with my dilemma. <laughs> and the title of that is... Hey, Miss Emma, how do Brit white riders wave to each other? That is a good point. Well, they... I, yeah. Like this. Here's my answer. <laughs> my dearest Leo, your anxiety, you must let go. <laughs> <laughs> a simple smile or nod of your head is the perfect greeting instead. Mm. Oh, that was awesome. well done. I did notice when I was in Scotland, people don't not haiku, do not typically wave in the UK. So I'm going to give... I waved everybody, but nobody waved to me. This is just to our American <laughs> friends who are visiting England. So if you're American and you're visiting England and you're sitting in a restaurant and you want to gain the attention of the waiter... My advice to you is stick your two fingers up (laughs) in a V, but you must face the back of your hand towards the waiter. And then if you want to gain added effect, if you move them up and down (laughs) like this. thrusting man. This is two. I need two more. Two more. It's two more. The bartender. I need two more drinks over here. At the same time, go, oi, Wanker! <laughs> I guarantee you will have immediate attention. Immediate. <laughs> Not just the waiter, but to everyone else around you. I'm going to help you out, you know? Yeah, you know, it's a greeting in England. Yeah. Or um, you can substitute wanker with tosser. <laughs> okay, then. Thank you very much. So, uh, no, thank you. Thank you, Leo. That was that was quite charming. Also, the C word is thrown, thrown around way more casually over there. Than but, you know, it's funny. <laughs> as, um, as a teenager and spending most of my weekends in Europe, because, you know, it, it, as much as I love Birmingham, as a teenager, it was quite a boring place. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough that I got access to some pretty high high capacity bikes. Very, very early on. I mean, I think we've talked at 17, I had a GS1000. And so we used to just get on our bikes and head to Europe. The every, channel? Did every channel weekend. It? No, it was long before the channel was made. We'd go on the ferry, or if we were lucky, on the hovercraft. Because mm. the hovercraft Fancy. was quick. I bet. We like the hovercraft, <laughs> but it's quick but noisy. Mm. Um, but I was always very jealous of our continental cousins because they could do the wave. And, you know, it was always mm. the V, palms towards you mm-hmm. and down low. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. And we couldn't do that because, of course, you take your, you take your right hand off the handlebar and you... Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a smile or a nod of your head is the perfect greeting instead. All right. Perfect. Well said. Um, and I want to make a quick announcement. I know that we've, uh, on past couple shows, said that um, Stumpy John is doing a Pakistan trip next year. Oh yes, Stumpistan. Uh And then Arlette, <laughs> you're also trying to organize something. So we have a couple trips. It's Liotti Stan. Um, but John, wow, you actually had know a, my last name. I'm impressed. Yeah. John, you've oh, had yeah. a, a few people already email you to get on that list. Yeah, I have, and uh, you know, keep uh, keep it coming. So I think what I'm starting to nail down is that we're going to do my trip in kind of the May-June timetable. Yeah, and, so sooner than later. And your trip will be in the October timetable. So you've September, got a, October. Yeah. You've got a couple of choices. So, I, you know, I would just say, go ahead, keep emailing Eliza or myself and let us know, and then let us know what timetable you're interested in because we can start developing lists. I have a question for Stumperstan. Yes. Who performed the theme tune 
you've got the power for the Transformers movie. Oh, that's what's the name? Uh, I know this. Fucking know this one. I forgot the name. Doesn't count. You've got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I forgot the name. I do not even know what's that connected uh, to the motorcycle trip. All right, and yes, if you uh, want to know what that strange sound in the background, Jim is playing with toys. We're surrounded by toys. What do you expect, for God's sake? It's been, you know. and I'm going to give you the answer. It was, in fact, Stan Bush. Oh. There it is. There it is. Oh, okay. Um, Stumpistan. <laughs> <laughs> who's Stan? Who, wait, who, it's who's a little, Stan? It's a little clunky, Stan but I'll singer. accept it. Um, so <laughs> if you are interested in joining on either of the trips, a Chickistan trip or a you want to do a also a co-ed yeah. fall trip and John's um, co-ed trip in the spring... Send a yep. request to Recycle Motorcycle We're going to do co-ed. If it was going to be a guys only, it would be Dickistan, but we're not. Right. <laughs> That's Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com. Uh, just say that you'd like to get on one of the lists, and I will forward your email to either of them who are organizing the trip. You know, we've, we've actually yeah, set quite a few home homework tasks for our misfits this week yeah. out there in podcast <laughs> land. Don't forget, I mean, if you have any existential questions... <laughs> mm. Tell me why ain't <laughs> nothing but a heartache. Send them, and I will do my best to answer them. Mm. Very tongue-in-cheekly, but Ooh, I might yeah. be seriously too. Ooh, listener, tell me why's. Oh, this could, this could go. There you on. go. You could also crack yeah. a philosophy <clears throat> book. But yeah, we could. Uh, way know, too boring. And it's, that's any, way too boring. Any suggestions for an Emma's history hole? I'm happy to accommodate. Emma you would like suggestions for a hole. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, I keep a lot of things in yeah, there. Yeah, what can we fit mm. in there? Um, well, the last time I took inventory, it was pretty full, but there's always room for a little more, darling. <laughs> yeah, there's some wrenches in there. Holes. That's where the 22 socket <laughs> went. She's <laughs> probably got about right. Can we get out of here? She's right, got like 14, shit up. 10 so, minutes. Up. Thank you, everyone, for <laughs> sticking with us and for emailing us. Uh, Carl, I appreciated your email. Stick, yep. stick with it. Um, keep working on those projects. Keep listening to our shows. And we're, yeah, man. we're glad yeah, to be cool, a part man. of... What you got going on there? Hope it all gets sorted out. And of no, course, and I mean it, the the thing is, it will. I mean, I've been through in when I look back at my life. I mean, I've been through a couple of catastrophic breakups, mm. and when it happens, everything looks very, very bleak. But you know, without trying to sound glib, you know, time is a huge healer, mm-hmm. and yeah. every day you go on, it it gets a little bit better. And I mean, if you start doing things you love and you start enjoying things more like riding a motorcycle, you never know when somebody's going to come along. Yeah. And you know what? If you're feeling down, spending hours listening to the misfits, not a bad way to spend your time. And park your motorcycle Mm -hmm. in your house. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because you can do that now. You can do that that now because you're not going to have your wife saying you can't park your motorcycle in the house. Park (laughs) your bike in the Bathroom. Mm-hmm. So you can starfish across the bed because you don't have to share it. But it's like you could put the motorcycle in the bed with you. Yes, you could. And of course, yep. big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Who are the best people in the universe? And worthy of knighthood. Thank you. Every single one of them. On Thank that you. note, I think we're ready to get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. This is Nock. Stumpy John. Emma Darling. Arlette. Naked Jim, son. Mm, bagel. And we're out of here. Cool, cool. cool.